Getting a new vehicle can be stressful, but not at Lake Elsinore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram. That's where surfers go inland to purchase their new and used vehicles. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Earth Pact, customized eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, Earth Pack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. Earthpack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. Just live. We believe a life is meant to be lived to its fullest potential. In order to do that, you need to feel at your best, both physically and mentally. We founded this community to share what we found as professional athletes that can help people of all walks of life. So you can go out and do exactly what you're supposed to do. Just live. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chocolate podcast. Our guests this week, guests are absolute legendary and have a profound impact in surf, skate, fashion, music, streetwear, and art. And of course... They've been dominating the last half century with their influences extending over four generations. This family dynasty continues to be on the pulse of what is cool, setting trends, and trailblazing all their own paths. They're true pioneers with the iconic Astrodeck, filmmaking, putting out iconic film like the Wave Warrior series, and other films inspiring current and future generations to come. We are honored and stoked to have Surfing Royalty and stoked to sit down with Mr. and Mrs. Fletcher Thank you. We usually, we usually go with nicknames. But we... Please call me Dibby. Dibby. Yes. Hey, yeah. can we call you the king and queen of no. surfing no. culture? No. Because no. no. you are queen. Just call me Dibby. You're, the, you're, uh, that's you're just fucking call me royalty. Dibby. Yeah. No, we, we, we sit here in front of fucking royalty. Yeah. I swear. Just call me Dibby. It's much easier. Yeah. Right. Dibby and Herbie, thank you. And we're just stoked. And, and we are in San Clemente at your guys' office. Uh gallery you know we, we can spend days in here we're looking around at your there's so much history in here yeah that you guys have collected over the, the decades it's awesome and yeah. 50 <laughs> years or more yeah and then same murals that you heard me painted and we'll, we'll definitely love to elaborate and talk more about art but usually we start off on how did you find surfing well i found it when I went to the beach in San Clemente in 1957 and I was like uh, nine years old and uh, or ten years old no I was nine years old and um, people were losing their surfboards at T Street and it was super low tide so I'd just grab them and play on them <laughs> and then I had a paper out and we lived in Pasadena at the time and so I saved my money and bought a twenty-seven dollar Balsa Wood Velzy Jacobs 
Wow. Garage sale or new? Like where? Um, I found it in the newspaper. Wow. And so then uh, my dad would take us camping at Doheny and started surfing there. And it was uh, a lot of fun because uh, everybody went to Doheny. Yeah. And, you know, surfing magazine didn't start until like 60, but everybody was going to Doheny before that from, um, you know, all the great surfers from the 50s and and from the 40s. And that was before the break wall in the, the, the harbor? Or yeah, that didn't come before. until about 67 60. or so. Yeah. Yeah, so we're that's talking crazy. about 10 years before that. So Doheny Beach, you're just a little grom frolicking in the shore break, surfboard washes up, and you just grab it and try to surf it. Before well, that guys... was at, uh, at in San Clemente at T oh, Street. Okay. T Street, okay. And when we went to Doheny, I was a gymnast when I was a kid, so I could run to the nose, hang five, turn around, and run back. Nice. I mean, it was, you know, a wooden surfboard. It was nine, six, or something like that. And I probably was, I was just a little kid, you know, yeah. just really light and thin. And, you and know. You, at 10 years old, you already had a paper route? Oh yeah, in those days it was different, you know. Yeah, it was a lot. That was my first job, and we talk about like again time, you know, changing with the tide. Like that's not even an option these days. Yeah, ten years old. My daughter's ten years old, and there's no way she's working. (laughs) (laughs) We hustled back then. Hey, well, I picked weeds. I did whatever I could to get that surfboard. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So was Dana Point like a a, a similar to like San Ofri back in the day because it was just more of an open area, like. A little bit more protected? Uh, it was different. I didn't go to San Onofre that much in those days. I went to, uh, well, when I was 10 to 12, went to Doheny, and then we then I started surfing Huntington, hmm. you know, because uh, we lived in Huntington when I was young during the summers, but uh, the waves were big in Huntington for a little guy, you yeah. know, and so it was really powerful. So I'd like to go to Seal Beach some, but... Uh, but then I got into Huntington because I'd stay there a lot. And um, the waves were just fantastic. The beach was fantastic. And uh, there was a lot of hoodlums and weird <laughs> stuff going on, you know. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty crazy. Kind of like a blue collar like city where, you know, melting pot of different like people. I don't know if you'd call it blue collar. There was a lot of weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> Back in at the, day. the beach. No, there yeah. was a, because I've written quite a bit about it, and there was a lot of oil derricks, and so there was a lot of workers there. Yeah. And then there was a lot of bikers. There was the hoedads. There was the greasers. It was much different. It yeah. was not, it wasn't, see, beach communities at that time were not what you think of now with the affluent living there yeah, right. and so when I was a little kid I grew up on Balboa Island when I was really young but my dad was a surfer so in 55 he'd take me to trestles and we'd walk into trestles right and there was nothing there was an old highway there was no freeway and so, I mean, he'd drive down, he had a Chevy, uh, a Chevy station wagon, and he'd put his surfboard in the back, and he'd check every spot, lagoon, all this along the coast, right? And so we go, and the, you know, so he'd just take me along, right? And my brother and my sister, right? And so, but it was much different then. And so, Balboa Island, that was a, like a, um, it was a vacation community that the families that that went there it was usually the moms and the kids while the husbands worked in in los angeles Mm. and so getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home 
isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The houses were all clapboard and they were made more for like a summer rental Mm. with lots of bedrooms and stuff, but it was much different. And so when Herbie was young and lived in Huntington, that was, it was rural and it was, there was a lot of um, uh, fields, lots of fields and lots of oil derricks. And so the community there was, was not this affluent community that you think of now. Yeah. yeah, there was lots of bars at the beach, the whole place, like Main Street had bars on yeah. it. I mean, it still does, but... Not like then. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know, and then we had the Golden Bear, too, which yeah. was pretty That's cool. when you were older. That's yeah. when you were a bit older. But we know how famous that is. So, I'm bringing in great, you know, you know, musicians and, right. and singers I used to from hitchhi- all over I used the world. to hitchhike from Capo Beach when I was 13 up to the Golden Bear Yeah, and hitchhike home by myself. So, D.B., can you give us a little bit of background on your family? Like, your dad is Walter Hoffman? Yes, that's my father. And let's see, he was, my mom was a divorcee with three children, my older sister, myself, and my brother. And we lived on Balboa Island, and she had a small stipend from her deceased uh grandfather right and so Walter was just back from uh, from being stationed in Honolulu night duty um, during the Korean War and so he would go to Makaha during the day and shape surfboards and go to night duty um, in Honolulu at in Pearl in Pearl Harbor during the night and um, so he came over and I remember I opened up the door to the front uh, the front the front door and there was this giant guy standing in a Makaha surf club sweatshirt bare feet with a ukulele under his arm and he wanted to rent the back room in my mom's house in you know the family house yeah in and, so I, uh-huh, and so he rented the back room and within a year he married my mom and he adopted us and so we stayed on Balboa Island for a while and then we moved to his dream house on Beach Road I hated it there was no kids there was no freeway there was a swamp at the end of the road that my sister and my brother and I built a Tom Sawyer raft, right? And, but it was so different than Balboa Island where there were so many kids and there was a lot of socialization and stuff. And this was very rural. And so my dad loved it. He worked in L.A. at the time at his father's Hoffman California Fabrics. And when he had started working there, he, after the Korean War, his idea was, he was in the Navy, so after the Korean War, his idea was to have a customer at the beach, and so he brought in the Aloha print into the father's woolen business and really started promoting that, and that that gave him access to working with Catalina and the different sportswear brands at the time. And this was that kind of mid-century modern. There was um, 
America had become more affluent, there was suburbs, the sliding glass door opened the world to that outdoor barbecue life where the guy wore his Aloha shirt. And it was this kind of uh, mid-century modern kind of American, uh, American dream. Yeah. There was money, there was the GI Bill, and so my dad had a customer at the beach, and so he traveled around, he went to Hawaii a lot, and really brought that Aloha shirt into some, into the idea and pushed that idea of that kind of outdoor living casual lifestyle around the globe. That yeah. is, and pretty incredible. And he helped build, you know, the, the surf industry because he got yeah. the OP going because Hang Ten had sold, and um, yeah. and so they needed another uh, thing going on. So. You know him and his friend Don Hansen and Jim Jenks, who yeah. did a yeah, and Walter did the design work, and they started up a new and clothes so, line. And so, and so where I lived on Beach Road, it was there, the guy that lived next door. He was a bachelor, and it became this magnet for everything that was considered beach culture. Um, Is they that all used to. Well, it's I guess it's considered Capistrano Beach. Okay, Capistrano. And Beach. so it was. It was kind of like this beach club. Phil Edwards uh, made the um, the Hobie Cat there. Gordon Clark. He he uh, he recouped from his um, from a terrible accident, right? And that's where he created the uh, the process for blowing foam blanks. Wow. So every one of my dad's friends went on, they were entrepreneurs. It was the first generation that men did not go into the exact business their father was in. And they are the ones that really kind of created this mid-century modern beach culture idea. They made the movies, they made the magazines, they made the restaurants, they did the clothing, and all these guys were my dad's best friends. So that's how I grew up. I thought it was perfectly natural when I met Herbie and he was a surfer. It felt familiar. My kids grew up in it. So when somebody says, well, when did you start? I didn't start. It was, it's just what it was. Yeah. That was my family, yeah. you know? And so it wasn't like all of a sudden I said, whoa, I'm going to go to the beach. <laughs> I mean, we went to the beach. That was yeah. your life. Yes. Well, like when I first met Dibby and I went over to pick her up for a date, you know, I, you know how it is going over to somebody's yeah. house and meeting the dad and everything. <laughs> well, when I came over, you know, um, in the front room, Walter was there, her father, and Phil Edwards, who I worked with at Hobie's, who made my surfboards and, you know, taught me how to shape surfboards. He was there and Terry Martin, and they were all talking about uh, surf spots and surfboards. And so I got involved in the little talk real quick and because it was just natural for me, you know, that what they were talking about. And then Dibby grabbed me by the arm and said, we're out of here. She's like, oh, it was so boring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you know, Dick Brewer used to come to the house and his wife then at the time, uh, she'd wash her hair in the sink and everything. And so all these people were my dad's friends. And yeah. so it wasn't all of a sudden you come along this. It was, this was the first generation of really this kind of entrepreneurial man yeah that had decided that he wanted to create some sort of business that would allow him to 
go to the beach and take his family to the beach. Yeah. And so it was a different breed of man yeah. that had started. And I think after two world wars and then Korea, it was the first generation that was kind of affluent and said, wow, there's a whole different world out there. Yeah. And so it really changed. That's when beach property started to change. People wanted to live at the beach. It wasn't, oh, well, we'll go there for Vacation a week. Or, you yeah. know, it was, whoa, I can do this as a lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. And Bruce Brown came down and filmed it. Oh, yeah. And uh, Bruce Brown was there. John I mean, Severson. Everybody, I used to Gosh. babysit John Severson's kids, right? And so everyone you know that you hear of as these guys, you know, from... Surf Heritage Museum. They were all, they were all my dad's friends. They all came to the house all the time, and so it was. So well, I. Well, your dad taught Hobie how to shape surfboards and make them, glass them, the whole deal. He's got nice. that in his Walter book. Walter Hoffman taught Hobie how to shape. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Make surf. And, and so I mean, so to me, when we talk about surf shops, I mean, I was raised before surf shops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, can, I was raised before surf magazines. Can we go back? A second on on your dad so he was in the uh, military yes all, all men were in the military okay yeah all men yeah in, in that generation yes okay you you went he into had to the serve military. in the military yes yeah. uh-huh and it, luckily for him he was in hawaii well he served. was he was raised in hollywood and his parents had a house in laguna that they'd summer in and so he served and he surfed up and down the coast, right? Because he grew up in Hollywood. Yeah. And so I've interviewed him about his first surfboard and stuff, right? And so it's kind of interesting to talk about it, where he bought it and what kind of surfboard it was, right? And it was made by the guys at, what was the, the building? Pacific... Pacific Homes. Pacific Homes. They were the ones that built the first surfboards. You're kidding wow. me. No. And, the so, and they did the swastika. The swastika was the name of the brand that they did. And it was oh, the largest selling surfboard. Yes. Wow. And so I have all this on tape because I thought, you know, I should save some of this stuff, whether I gave a shit or not. Yeah. Yeah. You Is know, it, uh, because, 50s, you know, we... 40s and 50s or... 40s. Yeah. yeah. 40s. And so when, okay, and so after the Korean War, what happened was is all the aerospace uh, industry closed down and they started using the materials to do other things. And that's what really changed surfing was the technology from aerospace, foam and fiberglass made the surfboard from a wood surfboard to a surfboard that then um, it changed the whole world oh, because the wow. surfboard wore, weighed 40 pounds. Yeah. So instead of a, over a 100-pound board that only a few people could go, once it was 40 pounds, it opened the door yeah. to surfing across the globe. So, and so it was technology that changed it. Yeah. Do you understand, yeah. right? And so, and so after the war effort, they closed down the uh, aerospace and they started doing the Eames chair and all the molded products, yeah. they started doing the dune buggy, jacuzzis, yeah. and all these things that for this lifestyle that had never been lived before. No one never lived just having fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. There. I mean, having fun. People worked. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, you had a generation of men that said, "Okay, I'm willing to work, but when I'm off work, yeah, I want to have fun." Yeah. Definitely. And they're, it looked like they're, they're bringing down the cost of some of these luxuries to more of a common, you know. But it wasn't, it, yes, and I don't think they really considered it a, a luxury. It was so, there. it was such a small world, do you mm. understand, yeah. right? There was so little interest in it at that time. Yeah. But my dad and all his friends, 
then they all went skiing they all got into motorcycles and so they really they create helped create the motocross industry yeah. and so it was just i interviewed the guy that did the um dune buggy and he was raised he knew my dad and everything and so that was another mold of product right yeah. and so it just it was very interesting they were a generation of entrepreneurs yeah, yeah. so walter he didn't have your your grandfather or his dad had a textile fa fabricator. Uh, yes, it was called woolens at the time. Woolens. They did men's suits. Okay, he was considered. He was kind of like a jobber. He was an in between guy. He didn't make the fabric, but he sold the fabric. Okay. Do you understand? Yeah. So when my dad started doing the Aloha prints, they brought most of the fabric in. They had it made in Japan, a lot of it, right? And then they brought it in, and then they sold it to. The manufacturers. Yeah. Well, the Japanese did the best printing. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. And made the best cotton. And then they, they, your dad or his company opened up in Indonesia, a factory in Indonesia. Yes. Uh huh. They did to do the uh, the batiks. Yeah. Right now, and he, his brother kind of ran that side of it, I believe. Flippy. Yeah. yeah, but Walter did. They opened up three of them down there. Yeah. And I, I've done videos on it. And, yeah. So impressive. And it, it's incredible what yeah. they did. It's so mind blowing to here beach road you know was a place that all those great you know entrepreneurs and industry it was really pioneers. do you know what it was kind of interesting if you go back and like you read about the salons during the painting days and everything you'd consider it kind of like that except a little kind of rough yeah yeah. You know what I mean? But they shared ideas. Yeah. These were all these men getting together and they'd laugh and they'd play ukuleles under the palm tree, right? Yeah. And they would talk and it really kind of pushed. It was like... Spurred new a, ideas. Absolutely. Yeah. It was an idea factory, yeah. right? Yeah. Surfboards, catamarans. Yeah. Right. You know? And the restaurant was at like Chart How about Chart House? house? Yeah. Wow. Chart House. Let's put the chart on the table, put the umbrella in the thing, and there we go, right? <laughs> yeah. They were selling, uh, put the Aloha shirt on the waiter. They were selling that yeah. Aloha vibe. Well, and that's, and it just took off and it changed the way the world yeah. wanted to live. Yeah. It didn't just change how California yeah. lived. They, they packaged it and sold it. They sold the Aloha and it was, this Hawaii is, was booming at the time but it, but it, and so they sold that idea of that lifestyle yeah. after um you know years of depri of deprivation from the yeah. wars and everything yeah. right and so people were ready to say let's go let the party yeah <laughs> right i want to feel Dark good behind us I, we made it through yes. this yeah. light uh-huh i yeah. want to go outside i want to feel good i want to have a different a different type of life you, yeah. you you saying when they invented the sliding glass door <gasps> change the world that's yeah. so funny to think about it yeah. it's it, it, aluminum yeah. you never think about how relevant that was yeah. see if you go back east there's no aluminum doors but what the aluminum door did it opened the world to outdoor living yeah and that came from aerospace and so I've written about it because I thought people never, people don't think about how important that really was. Yeah, for sure. I said that it changed how everyone lived. Yeah. But your Walter being a surfer and, you know, from Hawaii, bringing that to the, our culture, creating the industry, yeah. right? I mean, he basically helped. Hell, Walter was sort of well known up and down the coast, but nobody knew where he lived. Because he'd just show up at the beach and go surfing. They didn't realize he grew up in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. This great surfer, right? Because yeah. all the beach guys were beach guys. Yeah. yeah. There's a ton of people we've interviewed over the, over the years. And a lot of them, 
yeah, live in Pasadena or they live in, you know, um, uh, Chino Hills. Chino, yeah, just, you know, like the beach wasn't that kind of place where it was a you vacation. Lived you didn't live. You didn't live there. It was vacation, right? Yeah. And so when Walter moved to Beach Road, we had a Volkswagen bug and he would drive to LA and back every single day Gosh. to go to work yeah. in a stick shift. Yeah. Thank God there wasn't the traffic there. Yeah. But yeah. Then they, and they had the train then, so he'd ride the train. But, I mean, he said it's worth it because on Friday he got to that house and he never left Saturday or Sunday and he went surfing and he went to the beach and that was it. Yeah. So, so Herb, you're from Pasadena. You, you guys moved to Huntington at what age? Oh, Teenager? We moved down there when I was about 13. 13. And, um, but we, I grew up down there. They used to have trailers on the beach where the lifeguard headquarters all the way from lifeguard headquarters down to beach. Uh, beach Boulevard on both sides of that little yep. road and so we'd spend the summers there in a trailer and you know run up and down the beach but I was only like four or five years old hmm. were and these trailers already set up or you drove the trailers You're no the trailers were already set up hmm. and they rented them what a trip yeah. I mean some people live there all year round yeah but uh, yeah, it was really cool. They, uh, they had a plunge on the north side, enclosed, all glass a enclosed. Pool. Yeah. And then uh, on the south side was the roller rink where Maxwell's. Dukes is. Yeah, yeah it used to be There was a rink pool on Maxwell's. north side in Huntington? It was called the Pavilion on uh, the roller rink was. Mm -hmm. And then below that was a penny arcade. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so then they had a bunch of bleachers and... Um, you know, where they'd uh, have the surf contests and give away the trophies and the bleachers, yeah. and they used to get full. And so cool. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, playing yeah. around there, the hot spot, you know, because no wetsuits or anything. You'd go out surfing and be uh, really cold when you come in and go lay in the sand in the hot spot up by the Penny Arcade. Huh. How funny. That's classic. The arcade was around when I was a kid. Obviously, it evolved into, you know, kind of a shady spot where you know underneath the pier and a lot of people were doing stuff a teenager young kid you know shouldn't be around but that was <laughs> that was the spot and uh and what about uh the golden bear like that was a, you know the brick building right on the other side yeah of... that's right next to where well jacks was but the golden bear was there earlier it was just a brick building it yeah. was just, and Bartman's was on the corner then on the other corner yeah, next to a dirt lot. And then, you know, surf shops started springing up. Uh, Greeks was there. Uh, Gordy's was down. You know, he used to be under the pier. <clears throat> I, he just makes surfboards under the pier. But then he moved down to 14th Street or something yeah. like that, down that way. 11th Street had a shop. and, and uh, So did you... Obviously, you know, progressed quite a bit when you were to come down to Huntington for the summers and you'd stay there. And what was the, like, the, the, the crew you were hanging out with? Like, what locals were you? Well, I'd stay at my friend's house, Bob Leonardo, and we were called the Pier Puds. Pier Puds. Yeah, <laughs> and we were troublemakers. Yeah. Yeah. And we were sort of this, the younger kids, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but we grew up, I grew out of that. Yeah. yeah. Was there a lot of surfers? back then when you were a pier putt? Oh, I don't think so. I don't, I don't remember too many. It wasn't yeah. that crowded. Yeah. You know, surf, you know, mainly just locals. If yeah. the people from inland didn't 
surf the pier they'd surf down you know by 8th street or yeah, somewhere yeah. and then a lot of the guys in Huntington didn't want to come to the pier it depend who they were they'd go down to 7th street yeah I mean uh, station 7 which was south of the pier yeah you know it was, but it was just closed out and stuff the pier was great the yeah. north side south swells you know, you know got that little stationary conveyor belt you know yeah. easy to get out you know for the most paddle through the pier you know it'd be easy because yeah. the rip would go right through it and yeah. suck you right out you, you know the south side too around that time though that's and that's when kind of surfing contests kind of started becoming 59 i think was the first huntington and jack haley won it well yeah. from jack's seafood what jack from jack's seafood Jack Haley. Yeah. He's the restaurant. The restaurant, yeah. Yeah, yeah Captain yeah. Jack. Captain Jack. Yeah. yeah. And he sold uh, Haley surfboards to Chuck Dent. So that guy shaped Chuck too? Dent changed it into Chuck Dent surfboards yeah. after about a year. Jack Haley shaped surfboards too? Um, he'd hire people okay. to shape. You know, he yeah. got Steve Pesman, who owns Surfer's Journal. He was, you know, shaping. And yeah. You know, a couple other people, you know, were around then. They yeah. didn't know what they were doing, but they were making surfboards. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Phil Edwards knew what he was doing. Yeah. You know, he was a great surfer. And, and a lot of the guys, you know, that went to Hawaii would learn a lot. So you moved to Huntington at what age? 13. 13, okay. Yeah, but I'd hang out there when I was 12. And, yeah. And you went, what, you went to Dwyer or middle school or? I went to HB High. Straight into HBI at 13? Uh, 13, 14, I think I was. We moved there when I, uh, when I went into uh, high school. Okay. Yeah, I think you're, depending on your birthday, it's like, yeah, 13, 14 is like you're kind of freshman. 14? Kind of, yeah. 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 Crazy. But lived there when I was 13, you know, in the yeah. summer. I'd spend the summers there and most of the time. And you remember like your first custom board, you know, like because you're, you know, at a young age, your budget, first you're only getting... board. I think it was a G&S. I can't remember if it was a G&S or a Wardy. <laughs> yeah. But I was really stoked to get it. Your I first bet. board you bought with the paper out money. Yeah. And that was a Velzy board, right? Yeah. yeah. Velzy Jacobs. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, we board. talk about how like instrumental like those first boards are, you know, yeah, yeah you, you get a board you learn on and you get a, you know, another hand-me-down or you find one. But when you're a young, small kid and the boards aren't built for little kids, you're usually, you know. I th we got in a car accident. My board got wrecked. So they bought me a new surfboard. And I think it was a Gordon and Smith. Nice. Game changer. Uh, what? Was it a game changer as far as like. You know the yeah, the shape and, and the then board. I got a Wardy with a four-inch balsa wood stringer with purple rails. I was really stoked with that, except it pearled a lot. It was just a flat <laughs> deck, right? Yeah. Now was that? Foam? And then I got um, a, a knockoff of a Phil Edwards board, and that was a Haley. Yeah, a Haley. And then Greek <laughs> sponsored me so at I, thirteen. Yeah. Bob Bolin was yeah. your first sponsor. Yeah. Wow. Epic. Yeah, and he put me he, in an ad. And, how yeah. much older is Bob Bolin than you? Not that much. Yeah. And Corky's so a couple years young. older than you, too. I think one. Corky? Corky Carroll. Yeah, we, did, we had gym class together, and he was in the class above me. So Corky went to HB2? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But they're, you know, small, you know, small group. You know, you're not too far apart, you know? No, our moms hung out together, yeah. and, 
you know, walk out on the pier and, you know, I'd be ditching school and they'd, she'd be <laughs> looking for me and I'd just hide under the pier. Bob Bolin I know was, you're under there. Yeah. Bob Bolin was, was my basketball coach when I was in like, I don't know, fourth or fifth grade. That's he funny. just gave my dad the um, uh, Board Builders Award. Oh. And the International Surfboard Builders Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. Awesome. Herbie had gotten it the year before. That's so that awesome. was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Congrats. That's and so um, the deal is you had to make surfboards and you had to pay rent at a surf shop and, um, and you know, all the bills and everything and handle them to be able to be in the Hall of Fame, yep. you know, the Surfboard Builders Hall of Fame because yeah. everybody had logos. And, but I go, well, what about before surf shops yeah. and before all those logos? I go, what about those people? Yeah. And so, you know, I go, hey, I'd like to uh, uh, bring in my father-in-law, Walter Hoffman, who started most of this stuff. Yeah. And, it, and they went, oh, well, we never thought of that. But yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a big deal. It's a huge, huge deal. It's crazy that I'm finally learning about it now. Yeah, I, I mean... Well, I knew, you know, everybody knows him as what he's accomplished, you know, on the work side and what a great surfer he was, but I didn't know he shaved like that. Yeah. Well, you know, and we used to go to uh, Hawaii for uh, Christmas vacation. God, they used to make me go. Anyway. Oh, bummer. Uh, yeah, well, at my age, I thought, oh, God, I got to go to Hawaii. But my sister was competing and my dad was a judge. She was world champion. And so she was, and so it was very interesting because that's how I kind of really stayed into it because my sister was very competitive and so she competed mm. all, all up and down the coast, right? So I said, God, there's a lot of great hot surfers, so I'll go with her, right? I could care less about surfing, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, who cares? But anyway, so it was kind of interesting and so it just kind of kept, and it kept my dad involved in the surf, actual, the mm. surf contest scene because he was a judge. And so they'd go to Makaha every year, and that was always fun. And I was, because I was a ballet girl, I was a tandem partner. Everybody wanted me as a tandem partner. I hated it. No control, and they'd kind of give you the dump, right? Oh. You're, they're going down. But anyway, and so it kind of kept it interesting because it stayed, you saw how surfing was changing. Really changing, yep. right? And with the contest and everything, and that's when they were doing all the movies, the beach movies, yeah. and all that stuff, Did right? And, right. Yeah. And my sister was uh, in Life magazine and Look magazine. She was in Sports Illustrated. She was one of the Times Newspaper Women of the Year. We're talking she, Joyce Hoffman. Yes, okay. my older sister. Yeah. She was the first woman to ever have her own surfboard model, uh -huh. Hobie, right? And so it kind of kept us. I mean, yes, my dad was in the fabric side of it, and he had his friends, but then it kind of kept me involved because my sister was into it. So that was another generation of actual surfers, yeah. right, rather than kind of the business aspect of it. Yeah. So I kind of got educated in both sides of it, whether it was the surf contest scene or the actual business with my dad's friends. And so it was kind of an interesting surf education. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, were you into surfing yourself? or No. no? She just she was tanning with Don Hansen with uh, that's how I met her right there at uh, Makaha Beach, uh, and they were practicing tandem and she was telling. See, my dad used to say, "Oh, I guarantee I won't get your hair wet," and he'd want me to go out tandem surfing with him. He'd lie to me, he'd throw me in the water, so I didn't like it, right? But because I was a ballet girl, I was really good at it, and so all his friends wanted me as a tandem partner. That only lasted for a while. I said. 
you can't. But it was kind of interesting because you saw how it was changing. And it wasn't the surf contest scene, but you'd see so many more people that were attached and that liked it. And it was... Um, uh, Endless Summer had come out. And yeah. so it was creating this kind of international wave of interest, yeah, right? Yeah. About the beach culture. Very influential with the music About and the, the movies yes. and the lifestyle. And so you saw that really start to kind of pick up momentum, right? Yeah. And so that was interesting. And have my sister being kind of um, put into all these different situations, you know, like she was on the dating game and on what's my line. And so, yeah, so it was really interesting Her because world got pe people would, well, and wide world of sports. Yeah, Do you yeah. remember the beginning where it says, let's see, the thrill of uh, victory. Uh, the victory and the agony of defeat? Yeah, it was that. those days, right? And so you saw how surfing was becoming um, uh, something more. Yeah. It was people wanted a part of it. Yeah. They wanted a piece of it. Yeah. Was it about surfing? Not really. It wasn't really about surfing per se as surfing. It was about the idea of yeah. surfing. Yeah. It, it became an aspirational. Yes. Uh-huh. And so and so that was interesting, yeah. right? You yeah. saw Well, you you look at all these good-looking tan healthy bodies and you know, it was a <laughs> Was, no kidding. Yeah, so, yeah a, this is fantastic. Yeah, it, it's a very appealing to yes. the aspirational people yes. that you know, yeah. weren't necessarily Madison, a Ma Madison Avenue. Yeah. They and so that's they came knocking, but they didn't know how to monetize it. Yeah. And to this day, the WSL and all of this has never figured out how to monetize it, yeah. right? Which well, competition surfing, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, and so. I was very good friends with the photographer Bruce Weber. He had photographed uh, our kids on numerous occasions and stuff. And so surfing kept thinking if we could just get to the Midwest, most of the companies yeah. are thinking we're really going to kill it. Bruce Weber was uh, with Abercrombie and he did Hollister yeah. and they killed the Midwest because the Midwest was interested in the idea of yeah. surfing, yeah. not surfing. Yeah. They were interested in the Volkswagen bus at San Onofre with a bonfire. And the surf they were interested in was more of the hood ornament type yeah. longboard. They didn't care about big wave riding. They didn't care about competition surfing. Yeah. So when the surf companies became about that, they... I don't think they realized that they had narrowed their appeal down so much. Yeah. And Bruce Weber absolutely did an unbelievable job with Abercrombie in the Midwest. It yeah. just killed some. Yeah. Yeah, the bonfires. I mean, you look at all the that's, alcohol was, companies. They're yeah. they're around a campfire. They're having a fun. They're having you know you're selling lifestyle. It was lifestyle. the lifestyle. The yeah, it yeah. was the dream. And I think what really kind of Olympic surfing, you just go, so then it was no more lifestyle. You really created into a sport. Everybody was so thrilled. It's going to make us all so much money. You go, yeah, yeah. It killed, it killed the goose yeah. because what was fascinating about surf was the magic, the romance. Yes. It wasn't about shortboard competition, aerial yeah. surfing. It was the romance. We talk um, about this all the time, how Hollywood really helps with a boom. And, and because it's the romance. I'm telling yeah. you something. It is not shortboard aerial surfing. Yeah. The average person doesn't care. Yeah. It, because it's something that they can't even relate to. Yeah. They can relate to sitting on the beach. Yeah. 
in, in a good in a good beach chair with an umbrella. Do you understand, yeah. right? And that hood ornament type surfing, yeah. that hang ten at Doheny or San Onofre, they uh, that's their idea yeah. of surfing. Yeah, and you want to sell a good time, not you know an X game. Yeah. Right, and that and that's just not just surfing, but it happened in skateboarding and snowboarding, snowboarding and yeah. you know moto. It's like they killed the I, goose. Yeah. These are that's, all. You I know, think it's there's still a, a market in audience for definitely. that but it's definitely pigeonholed it, you yeah. know like when you forget about how important the lifestyle part of it is and but how, see that's what my dad sold yeah yeah lifestyle well and that's what chart house sold yeah do you understand they were selling the dream yeah, yeah. and Same so with endless summer yeah. right it was a buddy movie it wasn't yeah. really about surfing do you understand yeah. right Getting and so when i when i'd listen to all these people oh when it gets to the olympics i'm just going Right, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And so, and so to me, that, I mean, there's the art of surfing and the art of the beach lifestyle, yeah. do you understand? And yeah. then there's the actual sport. Yeah. And so they're two different things. Definitely. Um, and so, there's room for every. Oh, for of course. Months, but, 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 but they don't go like this. No. Yeah. <laughs> did yeah. you, did you trip out? Like, cause you were probably like 16 or 15 or 16 when those movies were popping out the the beach blanket bingo and um gidget like that must have been yeah it. they were in the 50s okay you know they came around the 50s I, I, Annette Funicha yeah. they were laughable you know yeah, yeah. Mickey Mignot's played Gidget he yeah. served for Gidget do you <laughs> understand in the Gidget movie right yeah so we knew all this but so that wasn't they surfing. They were all in it. Johnny Fame. That wasn't uh, surfing to us. Do you understand? Yeah. But I, I was understand it. I in a couple it. of them. Yeah. Yeah. When I, in 66, 67, and even 86, I think I was in... I was in Back to the Beach. I don't know if you ever saw that. I was driving the jet ski, towing somebody. And I've, I've, it was a gang, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I remember. And it was a knockoff. Annette Funicello and... Uh, Frankie. The, yeah, Frankie. Frankie. <laughs> It was funny. So was competition a big thing when you're becoming? It was like a big a... thing when I started up, and then um, there was a few of us that, uh, you know, took LSD and said, "Screw this competition," you know. That isn't what surfing's about. We went surfing. It was more of a science to us. Yeah. You know the waves, and you yeah. know, and and I lived in Hawaii on the beach at Pipeline. So you moved to Hawaii pretty I young. I quit high school and moved to Hawaii So when I was like 16, And 17. you did that to live the life of surfing? like. Well, I always wanted to go to Hawaii, right? And so Bruce Brown, actually Hobie gave me a job when I was 16. Um, and I was, you know, working down at the factory, but they... But I was also a surf star at that time. I, I think uh, uh, I was coming in second to David Nueva in the Huntington contest. Mm. But I won the HB boys because I grew up in Huntington, right? Yeah. But And I was surfing with Corky, and Corky got me hired or sponsored by Hobie because he ran the Hobie surf team. Oh, wow. And uh, so we, McGregor, Hobie, uh, Hobie started a line with him called the McGregor Hobie Sportswear. And they gave me a job making a, a short movie so they could go promote it. You know, it was a promotional. Now we are, it's a video, but this yeah. was Hobie take his uh, 16 millimeter projector and put it up at Bullock's or whatever it was and show the movie and we'd sign autographs. Anyway, I made Promos. it. Promos. 
Yeah. Yeah. Promo. So, so you were like the younger. Who was this guy? New... McGregor? Yeah, McGregor. It was a sportswear company. Okay. So it was Hobie McGregor. So they collaborated. McGregor Hobie. Oh, yeah, they did posters and all this stuff, right? Clothing. Wow. And Clothing. so anyway, I made enough money to go to Hawaii. And, and uh, that was great. And I just lived on the in the bushes you know homeless like or in cars and you lived in the back of dewey Web, uh, in the back of dewey weber's cadillac yeah finally four of us bought dewey weber's 56 cadillac four of them four of us guys we each put in 25 dollars and, and got it <laughs> and so we lived in that At 16. And, and, yeah and then uh we'd uh park next to other cars and at that time on the north shore there was only a couple people living out there like jose angel you probably heard of yeah. Jose. He yeah. was on the cover of the first surfer. And there was a few uh, firemen. You know, Bob Shepard lived out there. Val Valentine lived at Val's Reef, yeah. right? Mm. My Uncle Flippy was the first surfer to have a house on the North Shore for surfers. Yeah, he lived oh, a, a pipeline. Rent, rented out rooms for surfers? No, no. He, he was Him the first surfer to, to a rent house. a house oh. to, oh, surf. North Shore. to surf. To surf. Not yeah. just a little. No, yeah. So he was had the first surf house. Awesome. So with Bob Simmons, him and Bob Simmons yeah. had a house out there. So going back, you're, you're 15, 16 years old. You're starting to be making a name for yourself, working for Hobie McGregor Sportswear. does a collab with them, and then you make enough money to go to Hawaii. Yeah, and then there was no money in contests or, or really any of that. So there was a few of us that sort of this boycotted everything, and it and we didn't want to know about the contest anymore. And that was like 67, you know, after the world contest in San Diego. And, uh, and then in 69, um, you know, Hang 10 had sold. And, and so the guys that did Hang 10 started another uh, uh, line, uh, the Golden Breed. Mm. And, uh, and then, they did a contest at Pipeline. It was an expression session, and they bought. Uh, they uh, it was an invitational, and so they only invited a few people, but they forgot to invite invite Butch Van Archdale, who was Mr. Pipeline, right? And so they got beat up and whatever. But <laughs> that the shirt was got so fun. big yeah. in '69. That, w that they couldn't hold the contest because it was just too big for like a month. And we went to Maui to surf Honolulu Bay and Honolulu Bay was too big and closed out. So we ended up at Rainbows. And you know, there was like me and Barry Kanayapuni and Jeff Hackman and Tiger and people like that. Yeah. Did you experience any kind of localism back when you were younger down here? There wasn't really any Down locals. here? I mean, you know, in like Huntington and, and anywhere, anywhere you went, like, like there's definitely localism. Uh, I've never experienced it. Okay. I was always at the top of the list. Yeah. But, you know, one good thing to do is yeah. like when you go to a new surf spot, yeah. depending on how good you are, is you sit down with the locals and, and talk to them. Yeah. You know, smoke yeah, you a joint with them. You introduce yourself. You don't send them a text. You actually have a, you, you, a physical you, conversation. You, you and then they want to take you out to their surf spot. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, know, instead of this going you, out you're, and taking You're away. a guest. Yeah. It, you're it, a guest, and so you it, act like that. And then they're so appreciative because most people don't act like a guest. Yeah. And you go, didn't your parents teach you how to be a guest? Yes. Go, well, yeah. 
Yes, no, and thank so you, by, and please. And, and, and that's so, why they don't come to the Huntington Pier. They yeah. usually get beat up yeah. Yeah. and sent to the beach. But so, by 69, see, I was living with Herbie then because I also ran away from high school and went to Hawaii, but I went with Herbie. And so we lived on the beach there, right? And it was it was starting to get pretty rough. The locals, not with us, but I mean, it was starting to get pretty. Well, I knew all the locals. But the, I, mean, I mean, there was... It would happen. What happened at that time? There, before the locals had been like into hitting cars. You know what I mean? It was kind of uh, small time grift, right? But then there was well, a, just like Huntington Beach. But I mean, then you know, that what happened was there was a lot of yeah, money yeah. coming onto the North Shore with a lot of guys there that bought that rented the big houses. They had the big trucks. They were very in your face, right? Mm. So I think that. By this time, the whole North Shore had been more organized, and I think they thought, oh, well, why would I hit that guy and take a few cameras when I can hit that guy and no one's going to say anything, and that's where, that's where the money is. Yeah. I mean, like, remember the old bank robbers? Yeah. You know, why would I rob a bank? Because that's where the money is. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. I think that it became more like that, right? And so then a lot of these guys started to leave the North Shore, and there was the coconut hotline that everybody knew everything right yeah. and it was just about surf and so they weren't going to rob like the hippies you know the the young guys houses they had nothing they yeah. had a surfboard and this so. is before the freeway was in it was just a little windy road you know from honolulu you had to go through all the stoplights and through pearl city and then you going up to Oahu. Well, it was just a windy look little road you yeah. know you didn't have the freeway well, so see, i lived here it before would take there was over two hours <laughs> to get to the North Shore. Yeah. So so everybody lived in town. So the places weren't crowded yeah. except on Sunday or something like that. And would it, would the North Shore blow up when there was big swells like you would get the people like it is today like if no, the bays break No, in? I mean if there was 10 people out at sunset that was crowded. Yeah. yeah. There was no foot there was no foot, footprints on the sand. Yeah. Herbie used to have to do, find somebody to go surfing with, so he didn't go out by himself. Yeah, yeah, that was back in the '60s. You know? Mickey Nielsen said there used to be huge puka shells oh, yeah. on the beach. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's like really? Yeah, it was That's beautiful. Crazy. There was no, there wasn't anything there. Yeah, so there was Cammy. Ten there was, years before, there was Cammy's uh, market. There was Cammy's Cammy's market, and that was the only thing out there. Wow. So Christian. The Waimea store. Oh yeah, That's yeah. <laughs> and Sunset Market. Uh huh. This little tiny Christian thing. told us that you two met, you were 15 and you were 13 in Macaw. I was 16 and you were 14. 14, yeah. yeah. 14. It was off a year. Yeah. yeah. And, and you were there just traveling, you were there with I was there family. and uh, was I was there supposed for... to be in the contest for Bay City Surfboard. <laughs> he, he was looking for his surfboard and so he had heard from Corky Carroll that my sister had his surfboard. So he came to where we were staying and I was on the, on the grass practicing tandem with Don Hansen. So he said, does anyone know Joyce Hoffman? I said, well, that's my sister. And so he goes, well, I think she has my surfboard. I said, oh, let me let me see. And so that's how we met. And the rest is history. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty um, much. Going going into Hawaii and like acclimating with the big waves, like how was that transition coming from like a California? Well, I grew up in Huntington, and Huntington gets pretty big sometimes. Yeah. South swells, north swells, you know, it's water, water's wide currents. open. You know, the pier's there, so you're going in and through the pier, you know, the big deal was to hang tin and be able to shoot the pier. Wow. So, um, you know, it was just normal. Yeah. You know, I didn't I didn't feel any different and there was no leashes or anything. Surf and Sunset was was fantastic, especially if you had a Dick Brewer gun. 
and I was lucky to get uh, Dick Brewer made a board for Jeff Hackman and Jeff Hackman and I were sort of the same size and uh, so he'd leave his surfboard with me you know his gun that he won the Duke contest on it was just uh, a magic surfboard because you're uh, maybe like a generation or a couple years younger than like Greg Knoll and um, yeah, I think they're about ten years. That generation was yeah. probably. Greg Knoll was a step down from my dad. Okay. He's yeah. Because so you're watching these guys. Um, they were in the different. first surf movies, but I was watching people like John Peck. Right. Okay. Yeah. Joe, Greg Knoll you know, was. He was a trimmer. He wasn't a surfer. You know, yeah, he yeah. didn't turn and all that stuff. He right? took off. He took yeah. off. He yeah. took that, off. And that charged. was different. That he, was. He was yeah. the bull. Yeah, the bull. <laughs> yeah, well, that was like from my dad's generation. He still surfed like my dad's generation. Yeah, they were trimming. Do yeah. you understand? Yeah, they weren't the turning. They weren't turning. Yeah. Right. You guys were the shortboard revolution. Yeah. We created the shortboard. Yeah, yeah. Gary Chapman and I at um, we moved into um, Bonsai Beach right there uh, in front of Insanities, and we're <clears throat> this is 1967 and 68 the winter of and we'd look down the beach and we saw all these rights coming down the beach and so we called it pipeline rights and we we were going out there surfing but we we're cutting our boards down and uh, and uh, you know putting a little uh, we we're stripping surfboards and then part of the surfboard we would put on the nose and make a scab so we could have rocker in it and wow. so these were shorter boards they were like eight twos you know the minigun was, and Gary was really pushing it, and he was working with Brewer, and he was getting like seven nines, seven sixes, but sitting in the water a lot, and I, I was catching a lot of waves, and but it was uh, a movement, you know, and and it, a lot with Gary and I, and there wasn't a whole lot of people living there, and nobody surfed the rights down there at off the wall or back yeah. door, then. I mean, it was just us. Like Dibby said, there was no footprints on the beach then. And the older guys would come and they'd check out Pipeline and check it out from uh, Iakai Beach Park. And it would just look four foot and mushy, you know, not even as good as Huntington. And But the rights were just, the back door was just peeling off six foot and hollow. And so that's what we started uh, riding. And that's how the minigun came about. You'll hear a lot of other stories, but that's it. Yeah. yeah. It was like, we want to surf that. We need equipment that's yeah. going to fit, fit in the there. Way. And what we're, you know, more rocker. Being shorter. able to drop in and, yeah. and pull in. So yeah. you'd strip the boards, cut cut a block off and put it in the nose. Yeah. To get Cut the nose off, you know, or use another strip board, you yeah. know, because they're obsolete then. Yeah. You know, and so we didn't have blanks. So we just started... Doing board. other boards. And, and then we own Clark Foam uh, Distribution in Hawaii. That was in 69, 70. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. And so I just sold surfboard blanks to all my friends. Yeah. And um, Roy your... Russell and another friend, Wiley Artman, used to, to deliver them so after you're... I got it all going. Yeah. You know? So you worked here for Hobie. And then when I was to... like 16. Yeah. And then you know, that's to Hawaii. And Phil Edwards taught me how to shape. And so I knew how to do all that. So that was like 64. See, we got 65. the distribution because I was really good friends with Grubby, right? Well, yeah. Grubby, so my dad signed 
the credit. Grubby was hoping that we would renege so he could screw my dad. They had this kind of interesting relationship, yeah. right? And you just go, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to show you guys what's up, right? And so that was kind of interesting. So we had the Clark Foam distribution for the Hawaiian Islands. So you guys became a couple when you were in Hawaii, right? I, no, ran, away from became... I ran away from home uh, and we... We heard my dad was looking for me, so we went to Hawaii. <laughs> you know. To get away. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I never went back. I ran away from home with him when I was 16. Never went back. That's funny. Yeah. And so shaping, you, Phil taught you how to shape, or he, you know, when was your first time? Well, he was making my surfboards. Making boards. And he was teaching me all, 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 you know, how to put the template on, mm -hmm. how to outline it, and you know, putting rails. Rails were an important thing because Phil was the only one that put rails on surfboards. Hmm. All the other ones, like the... all the other brands, they just put round rails on it. They didn't really put an edge on the rail. Hmm. And Phil taught me about rails and where to put the white point. And his boards were harder to turn, but they were faster. And going to Hawaii, I loved that part of it. Yeah. You know, it was fast down the line. I still go down the line, still going fast. I don't ride the logs that you see out there. I'm not a logger. Yeah, no, I'm not definitely. No, not. he rides a high performance longboard. Yeah, yeah. It's still a single fin, but it's fast. You yeah. know, it drops and so you've the seen it stuff at pipeline where he slide, side slips down the face oh, yeah. and then he engages uh, the fin. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. people, and so like people say, "Whoa, well, you know, he's a logger." I said, "No, he's not. Don't say that because no. he's not." No. Nobody his, else does what his rails work. Yeah. You know, yeah, and totally so when people different. say that, and so it's kind of funny because, oh, I don't surf. I know more about surfing than most surfers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean I've mean, just, I've been around it my whole life and yeah. I've helped raise great surfers. My sister was a great surfer. My husband's a great surfer. There's a difference. Yeah. There's a difference. And yeah. it's a, but you knew all the great and, surfers. And it's equipment. Too. They all hung and out. people don't understand that. A longboard is not, a longboard is a longboard. No, it's not. No. They're, you know, most longboards are slow, and their rails aren't aren't high performance. There's yeah. a big difference. Yeah, you 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 took high performance approach to you know. Well, I also brought longboarding back in the '70s uh, because they quit making longboards, and people went away to college, and they went away had kids. We had moved back here. We had moved back here and just had a surf shop. And so I started a surf point. shop, and I, I'm going, where's the surf? There's no surf, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I always had a longboard in my quiver, you know, even in Hawaii, and I still have it. Um, <clears throat> it was one of the last ones that I, I, I ever had, but um, riding small waves on the North Shore, um, you know, it's like wind swells in the summer, and that's all you got, you know, little tiny waves. Yeah. And so I just started making longboards when I came back to, from Hawaii because there was, I didn't think there was any surf. Yeah. You know, I'm going, where in the hell, you know, how do you, <laughs> and so little, little waves, big board. Yeah. The littler the wave, the bigger the board. And so he started a campaign called The Thrill is Back. And because uh -huh. most, surfer, most surfers, you know, after you've had a couple of kids, you're not going surfing all the time. And so you see those people standing on the beach with that little surfboard. And you look at them and go, oh, there's a buoy. Because you know that guy is not going to be surfing. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be paddling around trying to catch a wave because he doesn't have the proper equipment. Yeah. And so Herbie started bringing back the longboard because he said that that's what's appropriate for this uh, 
the conditions that we have here. Yeah, California. You know? And yeah. so he did The Thrill is Back. And then when he was working with Ruka, he did that whole little movie thing called The Thrill is Back. Yeah. yeah. That, that was really where cool. that came that from. Series. Kind of re rebooted that idea. Um, yeah. Going back to Hawaii, how long were you guys uh, there for? Well, I always go back to Hawaii. I meant like that stint where you had the... We, well, we, lit, we, we had lived a house. there about eight years and then... Oh, wow. uh, but every winter we'd go back. You know, when we had the kids, there was a few years that we didn't uh, go, but then... And then we bought the pipe house with Jerry. Yeah, yeah. had the house, you know, right there at Pipeline. Yeah. And, and Christian told us about that crazy accident. You got hit yeah. in the parking lot? Yeah. And you almost lost your leg? Yeah. Yeah, they wanted to cut it off. Yeah. But I had a friend that was a motorcycle, Malcolm Smith, who had his... Had to, uh, two times he had broken his leg and they put it back to, with metal. And so I wasn't gonna let him cut it off. And I argued with them, these gray haired doctors for a few days out of my mind, but I wasn't letting him cut my leg off no matter what. Yeah. And then this young Asian guy, fresh out of college, came in and goes, oh, we can take out all the crushed and a lot of the splinters and um, we can put uh, plates down your leg and screw this together and we'll put a nail into your ball and socket and hold that back together we'll have you out of the hospital in six weeks and I was out of there in seven days you know <laughs> rehabbing but that put a lot of pressure on my wife Dibby you know and that's uh, was taking care of me and you well, it's, not the, it's not the last time yeah you I've, had had... Lot, I've had a lot of practice <laughs> You already had Christian then? Uh, yeah, he was one. He was one. He was in the car. Yeah. Dibby was in the car and went through the windshield. And uh, God, it was, it was so lucky. I, but I took the brunt of the car and Christian uh, was, you know, hit his. We had him in a car seat, which is 71. Nobody had car seats, yeah. really. And it was an old Volkswagen bug. It was just beat up, the old bucket of bolts, right? And so, and what was, the car was a 58 Chevy that hit 59 us. Chevy the guy station wagon. Over, the guy pulled over the double yeah. yellow line on purpose and ran right into us. He was going about 40 miles an hour. Was he hammered? No, he was or? going faster. It was he was hauling ass. Simones. And they got out of the car and said, too bad we didn't fucking kill you. What? I said, whoa. Yeah, okay. and then somebody else, one of my friends, took him around the side of the back and said, if you say that anymore, we're going to... Yeah, uh, but so, but it was but you know what, it was a God thing. I mean that's yeah. it was just what it was, and you go okay, this is your life. Here are the cards. Yeah, uh, you know, and you just go oh that's kind of interesting, and so it was just what it was, and you go wow this is yeah this is what life is. Yeah, yeah, you can look at it at, at, at two different ways. You you, you can you know give poor up me. And, and, poor and, me. And, yeah, yeah, poor me or or you know. Go, whoa, that's gnarly. Whoa, that's gnarly. Get off your ass and go. And and, and that's a good life lesson in general. But that's what life is. Yeah. It's not what you think it is. And it's really fantastic when it's really fantastic when you're on the beach with no footprints. It's that's when it's so fantastic when it's really real. Yeah. Yeah. It's when you're in that hospital bed and it's not easy and it's not great and it really sucks and you go, that's where the lessons really happen. Yeah. That, that's where the lessons happen. Always. It's not when you're laughing and giggling and having fun. Yeah, yeah, it's when it's hard and and ugly and you don't think you can do it. And you go, okay, I'm doing this no matter what. Yeah. No matter what, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it the best I can. Yeah. And so you just go, so that's to me, 
has been the gift that Herbie and I have that has kept giving because we've gotten to rethink it a couple different ways, right, as different accidents have happened. But you go, this is when the real process of yeah. can you, can you, what kind of person are you? When Christian told us that in his uh, interview, we were just like looking at each other like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, like these doctors were gonna basically just, just that's off. it. You're going to get your leg cut off. You're well, gonna... what do you think nowadays with doctors? I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> trust most of them if they said it was Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. You know, come on. Yeah. Uh, they're too uh, programmed to not think out of the box. Yeah. You know, and so you go, no. I'm kind of an out-of-the-box type person, and so I think that there's a lot of alternatives if you're willing to look for it and you're willing to kind of have faith that there are other ways yeah. than what's kind of presented in front of you. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, you, 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 you can't just roll over and, you know, you, you've got to challenge everything, even yeah. when, it, when it is a professional like a doctor or That's or when you really have to, because you really ta- yeah. you've been taught to believe them no yeah. matter what. Yeah. And you go, no. No, 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 no. I have to believe in what I believe in, and you're here to facilitate what I believe in. You're not here to dictate what I believe. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a great way to put it. Um, Aren't they? They're there to facilitate. Yeah. You know. It's crazy because, like you said, you know, like all our lives, you're supposed to listen to the doctor. In the last couple of years, have you been? Have you learned a little something about what the doctors have to say? Absolutely. Thank you. Follow follow the money. Yeah. Thank you. Just follow the money. Big pharma. (laughs) But it's we crazy. are we are we are we are the choir of big pharma. Yeah. And so you just go, no, this it's just time to kind of think out of the box. Yeah. To- What's crazy is how lucky and fortunate you were to have this other doctor. Oh, it was to- God. Yeah. God yeah. came and said, you know what? Oh, uh, let's gonna, try let's Herbie try this. So we went snow skiing after that. About and, eight months later. And, and you trained. Know? And, you You're know, kidding me. No. Christian was around, and we took him around the mountains and came back to the beach and started the surf shop and did that thing with the long boards and the short boards, and I'd sell them at Jack's and everywhere up and down the coast. But then people didn't want to really write me checks to Herbie Fletcher surfboards when I started um, Astrodeck and tried to sell every store, right? Yeah. And so I changed and I started the Astrodeck. And the reason I started Astrodeck was because we were always looking for better traction on a surfboard, you know. Mike Doyle had started WAC Research by then. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, so uh, got into the Astrodeck, got it going, got... Um, and and that was more of a professional type deal, you know, uh, to use because you could do more radical maneuvers uh, with the Astrodeck. Like Mark Richards would come by, Jerry Lopez, and I'd make them all special things. Yeah. And then so uh, can we can we go back a second before we go into Astrodeck? Because I okay. think it's really yeah. cool to. I mean, both of you are entrepreneurs, right? And you're you're in Hawaii, and you're like you, you get that opportunity to distribute their distribute, phone. Yeah, Clark phone, right? So what was that like? Like, how did you? Because all of a sudden you're going to your own university of. Business. Well, it's just applying. Well, it was my first deal, so I I just I knew everybody yeah. in, in surfing, right? Yeah, everybody in the islands, I knew them all. You know, Greg Knoll. Uh, George Downing 
and Lightning Bolt was starting up then, and uh, Inner Island, and the Hobie Shop had just gone down. But anyway, um, so I'd sell all these guys their surfboard blanks. They knew where to come yeah. after a, a little bit because I'd go see them all. You know, BK, you know, he had his own shop. He just made surfboards for different people, but he'd always uh, come to me. I think Country Surfboards was uh, out Hines. then. and. Is that Roger Hines? No. What? Roger Hines? Country uh, Surfboards? No. no. This was uh, Mike Turkington. Mm. You know, I don't know if you ever heard of him, mm -hmm. but he was an Armahut guy. Mm. You know where the Armahut is? No. It was way before your time. This is back in the 60s, and uh, Armahut's Rocky Point. Oh, okay. Awesome. It's good. I've never heard of that. Yeah, well, there was a... Uh, there was Quonson an Army Hut there. Yeah. <laughs> and Dibby and I lived underneath it. <laughs> Fine living. Fine living. Fine living. Honey. We've lived in some places that when we lived in on in Lahaina above the surf shop, though that kind of took the cake, right? The surf oh, the with, fumes. with the fumes. It was so oh. gnarly. It must have been 120 right in the summertime in Lahaina, and the fumes yeah. from the surf Resonates. shop. There was cockroaches all over. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Those were the good old days, but huh? We used to party every night. Oh yeah, boy, I did. <laughs> and we. surf there every was day. Only one, there was only one. Uh, there was only one traffic light on the entire island at the time. And that was in Wailuku, a long ways yeah. away. That was different. And, and was one Wally? cop in Lahaina. Yeah, one cop. Yeah, yeah this right. little old man. Uh huh. And so everybody from the Brotherhood of Eternal Love decided to come and go surfing with Herbie, all the guys from the Can Laguna Canyon. Wow. And so it was one raging party, boy. That was. That was something. It was a lot of fun. That was fun, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah. Those were fun times. But you know, and so there was fun times and there was tragic times, and that's what life really is. And I think because we were so willing to kind of live on the edge, that everything about it was extreme. That yeah. it was really great times, really fun and really wild, or it was really tough. And I thought, well, that's kind of, and so when I look at it now, from the age I am and look back and say, it was always on the edge, whether yeah. it was great or tough. Yeah. There was no, there was no image, there was no mediocrity. It was full on, yeah. <laughs> you know, good, bad, whatever. It was just life with a volume, full blast. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. it was full blast, rock and roll. Uh, and it was, you know, speakers. Uh, you know, and so, and so we've learned so many things. And the one thing I have to say is that Herbie and I have had so many opportunities to do so many great things. Did the opportunity just knock on the door? No, I think we created them. Yeah. And I think that that's the most wonderful thing about living in America, that you can create a life that you want. Yeah. I don't think that the Fletchers could have ever been who we are had we lived anyplace else. And so I think that that's something to be really grateful about. And yeah. I'm glad that we were never afraid to, to try. And so we've had failures and we've had great times. And I think as far as like business, maybe it wasn't as successful in surf industry standards, but we have no debt. We've never had a partner and we've done it our way. Yeah, and yeah. I think that that's awesome. That's yeah. commendable right you know, there, sure. I think I think that's awesome. I mean, look it's at how many brands have come and gone because yeah. of and I don't, brought in partners and have problems. No, and, and no debt. And I said, dude, we've really done it our way. Yeah. And I said, so there's something I think that's completely kind of 
American about that. Yeah. I don't know what else. It really is. Well, you're living the dream and you're living the, the lifestyle. It's that yeah. entrepreneurial kind of, yes, we can do this. Maybe we were too dumb to know we couldn't. Yeah. Do you understand? But we said, okay, well, let's do this. Oh, okay. Well, you do that. I'll become the writer. Okay. Now we'll get, okay. Now we'll do the painting. Okay. Well, I'm going to write this musical. Okay. I'm going to make movies. And so you just go. Yeah. Yeah. So no, we. We've got, this, to, we've got to do so many things, yeah. and you go, that's... And, that, and I'm grateful to my dad for what he did with the Aloha with the Aloha Prince, but I think Herbie and I took it one step farther because we've really branched out and done a lot of different disciplines yeah. and didn't just do them, but I feel that in many ways we kind of mastered them. Yeah. And you go, not very many people can say that, yeah. you know? And you go, that's kind of... Freaking rad! That's actually kind of cool. Because yeah. you guys like the importance of of the Grubby Clark, that that first business venture that was yours, right? Yeah. Like you owned the the. Well, Herbie Clark also, but, but Herbie yeah. also yeah. see Herbie also. But was I making, made surfboards Herbie too. was also he had built a shed in the backyard, so he would make surfboards, and so it, he would make them, and then he'd glass them, and so in the morning, every morning, he'd get to go out and try his designs to see if it would work. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Yeah. So it was that kind of. Um, creative, that entrepreneurial idea. Oh, okay, let me try this and see if it works. Yeah. And so you have that quick turnover, that feedback, yeah. right? And so I think it's that same thing with everything we've done, right? And with Astrodeck, how he started doing the movies, we didn't have any money. And so he said, well, you know, I love making movies. I did it with like McGillivray Freeman with Free and Easy, right? And so he, my grandfather had given him a camera. And so he started filming and he said, you know, I could make it so I could do this movie and then those guys might be worth more to other sponsors. And so that's how he got all those guys involved in doing the movies with him, right? Good and so it was, yeah. yeah, and so and so that's how he started Wave Warriors. And also he could say, oh, Dibby, I'm really working. See, he was filming at the beach, uh-huh. you know. Working oh, hard. I'm not just hanging out at the beach, yeah. dude, going, sir. I'm working, Yeah. right? It's oh, i got to have this house in Hawaii so I can work. It's yeah, like, well, it's called mixing business with pleasure. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. but anyway, and so good surf so it and good was, surfers. Yeah. and so I think that that's kind of how a lot of the stuff evolved. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't an idea how I can make a lot of money, but how I can kind of keep doing what I love to do, and promoting yeah. your and, fans and, 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 and bringing up everybody with you. And so that was kind of it. But, and so you go that. So that was kind of interesting because I think people think, oh, you must have had this idea. No, not really. You yeah. just kind of said, okay, what can we do the next thing, right, to keep things going? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, that's why I, I, the importance of that first thing, that first business that you guys started, um, kickstarted everything else. Yeah. Right. Well, was then a, we did the surf shop. Came back and did we the had, surf yeah, but we had to freaking make it. There was no sponsor. We had kids, yeah. dude. You got to freaking provide, pay the rent. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what it was. And so I look at it, and I see the generation of the kids that got sponsored, and I really think now, in hindsight. I feel sorry for some of them because they didn't reach their potential that they could have reached had they had to make a living to go do what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. Do you understand, yeah, yeah. right? So they didn't get that kind of... The entre- of hard knocks. The yeah, on- they well, they didn't get that sort of- entrepreneurial yeah, yeah. kind of push because they were paid to go outside and yeah. play, if you will. Do you they understand? They never experienced feast or famine. And, and right? so I think that in some ways it was a disservice yeah. Do you understand? And most of them hadn't been raised in a family that had 
done anything like that. They were raised in families that the dad went to work at a job. Do you understand, right? And yeah. so I think that there wasn't those lessons of how to to take that and make it more than just going out surfing. Yeah, you're you're control of your own destiny. You know, you're not relying on a, a sponsorship where. Yeah, if you don't win the contest, you're not on the cover. You're, just, you know, it's like I'm. You're living it the way you want to live. Well, see, when Herbie said, "Oh, I refuse to do that." Okay, yeah. good then. Figure something. Okay, else then out. you better figure something else out. Yeah. If you don't want to play their game, yeah. now then what? What does this look like? Yeah, I mean, being in Hawaii or just in California, like you, you've had to have been getting tons of coverage regardless of doing contests or not, like in the magazines. And we understood that part. Yeah, you, yeah. you got to understand. Uh, you know, and the. In the late 60s, I, I didn't want to be photographed. I wouldn't be photographed until about 75. Wow. Uh, you know, you until I started the long, yeah, until I started the surf shop. And then I go, oh, well, yeah, I need promote. to be in the magazines and yeah. do longboards. And they're, they're, they're going, oh, well, we don't want to know about longboards. But they put me on the cover in 76, surfing Malaya, uh, at the time, the fastest wave in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And... Yeah. One of the most iconic shots, too, by the way, when you're hanging. Yeah, it was. Five, in, uh, <laughs> um, so then we created Buttons our own. was there, and uh, uh, Gary, uh, uh, Al Chapman, Gary's brother, or Al's older brother I lived with that discovered Backdoor with me was Gary Chapman, Al's older brother. Hmm. He was the best man in our wedding. He was the only one we knew with short hair. <laughs> So that was the criteria. Yeah. So was that was that wave uh, like was it surfed often or not all? It doesn't break very often. Like tell people about. Oh, they laugh when they saw your board. That's yeah. the oh, story yeah. you were going to tell. Uh, yeah. So anyway, they were uh, they go. What are you going to do with that thing? And I go. Well, I'm going to go out there and, and hang five, hang ten, and do three sixties on the nose. And that's when. Uh, I, Michael Ho started rolling around on the ground laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Buttons, and uh, it was incredible. But I went out and did it, so. Yeah. Hey. It's talk's know, talk, you know? You go out and. See, and then we became our own media with the movies and everything, and people didn't like it. And you go, you know what? I don't care what you guys like or don't like. We're going to have to do what we got to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? To feed the kids and to do everything else. And so there was a lot of. Flack and the, see the surf industry they became about the magazines and those guys wanted to have control and you know that the advertising dollar was going to control what that media was going to look like yeah. and we said eh we're not controlled by your advertising dollars so we're going to show people what surfing really is yeah. and so we were the first ones to ever really use a lot of the Hawaiians and everything the tube riders the magazines didn't want to know about it they wanted to know about their OP riders or yeah. you know yeah four to the beach, you know, and all this stuff. And so we said, eh, who cares? Yeah. And so I think that was kind of interesting. And But it goes back again to being able to to be creative and have your and tell the story the way you want to. Yeah. Well, you we know? talk about surfing on how many little subcultures there are or different aspects. You know, you got the contest surfer, you got the free surfer, you got the longboarder, you got the hotshot, you got the jock, you got the hipster, you know, like... And it was similar even back then. You know, it's now it's a little bit, you know, kind of more, more classified and, yeah. and more diverse. But it's like, yeah, there's there's room and, and there's a there's a way to, to make money if you find well, see, just a like niche. Herbie put skateboarders in the surf movies, like yeah. in Wave Layers yeah. and the snowboarders. 
Because they were all the same guy, yeah. you know. It was that same was kind same of go for it, go we did. go for a rad kind of guy, right? Yeah. And then we did wakeboard stuff, and that was kind of interesting. But it was still that same kind of go for it guy. And so whatever we did, we kind of gravitated towards that kind of outsider that wasn't kind of the contest guy, right? But yeah. to 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 us, he was more interesting, right? Yeah. Because he was kind of anti. You know, I yeah. mean, let's face it, both Herbie and I, neither of us finished high school or anything else, and we kind of gravitated towards that kind I'm of guy. work. You know? Yeah. So you mentioned that after your leg and car accident injury and stuff, you guys went and lived in the mountains. We, we heard that from ED too, right? Like you guys... Yeah, yeah. went to Sun Valley. Yeah. His dad was Daryl Diamond, Doheny Dreamboat. He yeah. was up there. Corky moved up there. Mike Doyle moved up there. And... Uh, you know, but I, I knew some other people and uh, and I'd hang out with a, a lot of different uh, racers and uh, and at the Scott Booth factory where I learned about foam, you know, and lightness and and uh, anyway. You moved up there to start skiing, snowboarding? Oh, or? we went just to go have fun. Yeah, it was skiing. There wasn't yeah. snowboarding yet. Yeah, yeah. just to live the mountain life. Yeah, but we were outfitted good. Christian was, uh, you know, uh, he had all the equipment and he, you know, all the the clothing is very important, yeah. you know, to stay warm and dry. Yeah. And so, you know, he'd go all day. He'd, at two years old, he'd ski the whole mountain, you know, <laughs> didn't have any problem with it. You know, we started him, but yeah, uh, you know, cold, snowy, whatever. He had the equipment to go yeah. at two, and he and he got really good, and he's close to the ground, so when he fell, he didn't Big really... bumps, boy. We'd take him down the expert runs, and he'd just go. Yeah. That, it was fun being a parent when you're young. Yeah. You just go, yeah, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> go. Uh, there's, there's... Kids nowadays are bubble-packed and everything else. My kids, they, you know, I don't see... You couldn't raise a Christian or Nathan now. No. You'd probably be thrown in jail for child abuse. They had so much fun. And I, Herbie and I, I didn't think that they were ever over their heads. You were cautious about what they were doing. But you go, they're, they're rad, right? Mm -hmm. And if they're dressed correctly and have the, the proper equipment and everything, go for it. Yeah. I think it's because you two have tiger's blood. <laughs> <laughs> I, maybe. Yeah, because yeah. you, you, you spawn two... Well, just like, Incredible. okay, you were talking about your daughter. Nathan used to ride from our house up in the Palisades in Capo Beach down to my parents' house on Beach Road. And he'd go paddle out and paddle out in the garden with surf way overhead. And the only criteria was he had to wear a pink wetsuit so we could see him in case, he, you know, in case he was drowning. You, you'd have enough time to go get him, right? But at five years well, old... I could just see him out of the corner But at five years eye. old, he'd yeah. go out by himself and stuff and ride their bikes for miles, you know, and you yeah. never thought about it. You said, oh, they're... They're confident. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we weren't allowed to be in the house during No the way. It if was, it's light, you're out. We're, yeah. Get out of our house because you're going to ruin it or trash something or break something. Like, And we would be, be home at streetlights. Yeah. And that was it. In summer, you hey, know, we were out of the house too. And yeah. so nowadays, it's much different. It's much play, different. Da play dates and it's, yeah. and it's kind of too bad. You yeah. know, it's, it, I see the kids being made to be afraid. And I find that very interesting because I think that that really, what's underneath that is a lack of faith. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, when you tear, tear it all down, you're afraid of what? 
of your life of something happening if something happens it's supposed to happen and then you get to deal with that but i think that we're being we're, yeah. we're teaching people to be afraid and that's really not the way to go and be your best self yeah life's life's hard so might as well have fun doing it yeah you know? no like, but you're but i just say it's a, a lack of faith and i yeah. and i said oh no i'm good i lick not a doorknob so i'm immune to everything right yeah, yeah. Said, i'm i'm good <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect analogy of like, you know, why why use the hand sanitizer every day and it kills your natural bacteria and no. then you're going to get sick. You, ha like, no. you have we've, to. We've learned to yeah, you need live that through, every, through it all. You need to. You well, need how to can live. this hand sanitizer company make money if we're not using it every day? <laughs> I know. I mean, like, really? But anyway, and yeah. so I think that we've had a lot of fun and gotten to do a lot of great things, yeah. you know. So after Hawaii... Back to California. Surf shop. No, Idaho. Shop. Then we came oh, back Idaho. here and, and did the surf shop. Okay. And what was then the surf we did shop at, called? Then we, Herbie, Herbie Fletcher. Fletcher Surfboards. Okay. And then we, uh, that was in, on the Coast Highway in Dana Point, and then we did Astrodeck. And I still do Herbie Fletcher Surfboards from time to time. And we still do Astrodeck. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the idea or big moment when Astrodeck came to your mind? Well, we had traction, you know, you go out and surf sunset for three hours or more and your wax gets, you know, I mean, there's mud in the water and whatever, but, you know, it gets slippery. And so we're always looking for something better than just paraffin wax. And Mike Doyle, like I told you earlier, came up with wax research and it was, it was just a little better, but... Uh, <laughs> It still flattened out and got smooth, and so um, got involved with uh, uh, a urethane, an elastomer, and we'd sand it to sand the texture in, and uh, I'd sprinkle salt in it so it'd give like a rock salt finish, and then sand it, and then wash it out, and then, and then uh, this... It wouldn't be real rough on the sides because it'd give you cripple nipples if you surfed it without a wetsuit, but you'd rough it up down the middle and like I told you that, you know, like Lopez and um, Mark Richards and just different people would come in and it, it was dying, it, put it in surf shops and uh, it'd be in there for a year and they couldn't sell it. Nobody really knew about it. But this then... Is, this isn't traction really, it's more of like a liquid... No. No, it's There's long sheets. Okay, yeah. sheets. Well, it's cut out like the outline of your surfboard okay. you know and you put it in the uh, like an inlay on your surfboard and it was like a big piece of tape six feet long something like that and uh, so anyway people would take it and they, they couldn't put a piece of tape on their surfboard that big I mean they'd end up with it would end up in a ball in their hand Ball and hardy and yeah. so anyway <laughs> it, it was a hard sell and so I started making uh, Checkers, you know, black and white and pink and black and uh, lime green. Echo Beach days. Yeah. And nice. this is like And 80. it took off. And, uh, and so I go, I'm going to give it one more stab. And I put a quarter page ad in Surfer Magazine. And then all the kids from Newport Beach started getting it for the fashion part of it. Yeah. You know, and they could change their surfboard. So it wasn't the function that really sold. It was the fashion. How yeah. funny. But, like an um, accessory versus like... And so they could change their surfboard up and, yeah. and uh, do it. And then so kept on looking at it. 
and using it and doing different patterns, but it was the checkerboards that really did things. And video games were coming in then. Pac-Man. So we we're doing diamonds and dots and uh, did a shower traction with lily pads and, uh, and leaves. And um, that didn't go over very well because people didn't really understand it. And it was a whole different market. And I wasn't interested in uh, uh, that industry. I was a surfer. And so we just stayed with surfing and then uh, started uh, just to do a tail patch, you know, and people didn't want that really, not for about over a year or two. Then we started doing uh, tail patches. I started making the foam thicker and started to do cutouts in it. So you'd have grooves that you could put your toes and get a grip. And then I I put a... um, uh, a groove to it and made a, a gridlock pattern with dots and uh, put a kick tail in it, you know, so that came out of, uh, well, Michael Ho and I worked on that and, and that was a arch out of a sandal hmm. that we made the first kick tails like type you stuff. You took a part of sandal and took the arch out. And <laughs> yeah, laid old over. sandal and, and uh, or, you know, like a go ahead, we cut it up and make like a little tiny kicktail in yeah. the back. Not a kicktail, it was a thrasher pad. And then I started putting, couldn't feel that very well. Hmm. So I started making kicktails that were like an inch, uh, inch and a half high. You know, just a regular kicktail, like a skateboard. And that worked. And then uh, I made these things called pro strips, cushion pro strips. And we started stacking those on top of each other. They were like an inch and three quarters inches wide close to two inches and wide and we started stacking them and th- that created the arch bar yeah yeah so amazing and i've been sued for d- doing these things because people would run off and patent the stuff yeah. and i go dude i did that like three four years ago yeah, yeah. you know i'm gonna break your patent yeah. And I've had to break patents because people sued me for using a kicktail. I, I have to say something that I find interesting from my point of view about all of this. Herbie always wanted to improve whatever sport he was interested in. And he was very mm. interested in surfing. So he always wanted to make things that improved the sport itself. Yeah. And I'm looking at it going, can't you freaking like make the ballpoint pin, you know, that everybody can use. And we can really make some money, right? That would be so fantastic. So when he got into wakeboards, he changed the binding. And that's always the smallest part is the actual surfer or wakeboarder themselves. It's not like the t-shirt where everybody can wear it. So Herbie is very much... I did the gas pedal for snowboards. Herbie's very much an inventor. And so everything he'd come up with was to make the sport better, to yeah. give you a better ride, to make you have a better grip, to get... And so he he, he he dreams up this stuff, which is very creative. He's very much a scientist about it. And so from my point of view, I'm thinking, well, can't you kind of yeah. direct that like yeah. in, into something more broad? We're <laughs> like the, the pamper, you know? We were in the 84 Olympics with boat traction on the small boats. You know, and we did it for the Hobie Cats. We did it for the the Finn, the Star, uh, uh, Wind Glider. You know, and that was Anything the sailboard. We did sailboard traction. Yeah. You know, for sailboards called the Rad Pads. Did My, it for boats. You know, the back of swim steps. And how, did, how did you come up with the name Acerdeck? 
Um, it was myself and a friend. I mean, we were into taking LSD and, and everything was psychedelic and, mm. you know, Astro. John Van Hammersfield did our first logo. He's the one that did the Endless Summer poster yeah. and Jim yeah. Hendricks things. Oh, and then Stussy's done them. And so yeah. we've gotten to work with a lot of people through the years, right? Yeah. And so we've had a lot of fun. You know. Well, they were all interested in surfing. Yeah, you know, they just did it because they wanted to do it. They yeah. didn't. They didn't ask me for money. I just talked to them, and they were more than grateful to. They'd give me three or four different designs. You yeah. know, and this because Astrodeck is a sick name. You know, yeah. it's like a, a, I don't think there's a, any other brands out there but see there's a lot there's a lot of traction brands that have come and gone and come and gone yeah, and yeah. everything else nobody's ever invented anything the only one they did was herbie and they just copied us yeah you know and so you just go well that's kind of interesting who's the latest oh fuck i don't know there's so many of them i can't keep track do i care <laughs> do i care no it was fcs oh, oh yeah they did the julian wilson yeah pad. they knocked my pad off the julian wilson his brother came here and said dibby we need to buy some because they just haven't knocked you off good enough yet so yeah i know julian sure. <laughs> all right we'll keep that out F F fcs <laughs> we're gonna get that part out yeah <laughs> i mean yeah you you know there was just traction brands and then there was traction unleashed brands and then traction fin you know, well because you can't bags. make any money doing tra traction beyond yeah. to be honest with you, you. There, there's no money in it yeah. so you have to have many skews there was money know. in it when i was the only one. Oh yeah, yeah. and and we were making it ourselves yeah well california put us out of business and so you had to go offshore so that you, you can we talk about that like what, what year that was that you had to make that that jump to china yeah i i, I stayed in uh in America and California about 10 years too long because I wanted it made in America. Yeah, yeah which is Bless how, your heart. How, how it should be, you know? Yeah. Like, unfortunately. Yeah, but uh, you can. I mean, like they EPA put me out of business. Yeah. Well, not, and not I only mean, that, but... Like Clark Foam, too, you but, know? But, like, right, and not only that, but then the pad would be so expensive, but right now, making it in China is going to be so expensive that, that it's ridiculous. I have an order. I'm on. A, I'm kind of on a strike right now about the whole situation because I don't know what going forward looks like. Yeah. Because I just don't want. First of all, I do not want to make in China. Yeah. I have a real thing about it, and so I said, I'm over that. So I got to think of something else. Well, you you know, you guys grew up in that era that like all Levi's were made in America. You know, yeah. like you know, I mean. Let's look, bring look, it back to America. Yeah, but, but, look, we, look, but look we can't because LA of the, was manufactured. But, but be, well, yeah, like with my dad. Yeah. He, when I was a young kid, I used to go up to my grandpa's on Seventh and Los Angeles Street. You know, yeah. I mean that that was the garment district, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and I'd spend the summers going up there, right? Yeah. And so it's not the same now. First of all, it's probably dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely dangerous. You know. Yeah. Anyway, and so it's just changed a lot, but I got to rethink the whole thing about Astrodeck and how I want to look at it going forward. Yeah. So the you finally got the the right kind of pad, and you're starting to all these experiences, yeah. the arch bar, the kicktail, like it all came and together. And so now, we, and so now we have. Uh, well, I have it's a couple still going on, and I have a couple it's, styles that we've carried for and I got 25 things years. that people don't even try yet that would help their aerial yeah. surfing but they're just too um 
They're too conservative. Yeah. yeah. We yeah, always try to do different word. stuff. I was going to use lame, but yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> we try to do different stuff for surfers, and they go now. Yeah. Christian and, and Nathan. They're conservative, were, just like they never wanted to do tow-ins. And I try to tow them in with my jet Christian ski all and Nathan the time. were always yeah. like little test pilots, so you could t- try stuff, right? Yeah. 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 Oh. Christian would tow in 76. He'd tow behind my jet ski. Yeah. But when I took it to Hawaii with all the big Hawaiians, not the Hawaiians, the the big time the big wave riders, you know. Oh, I might hurt my arm or oh, something. Oh, I can't do that. It took yeah. them uh, over 15 years to figure it out. And yeah. then they did it with the Zodiac. And then they want to yeah. claim that they started it. And you go, not quite. Yeah. They made it popular. Not hardly. Yeah. But they they were so lame they couldn't do it when they lived at my house at Pipeline. Well, and see, just like, Larry, uh, just like Garrett McNamara, again, just like on his Instagram, he goes, oh, I have to owe it all to Laird and Buzzy who started the tow. That is incorrect. They yeah. lived at my house. They and did they not start tow. it. Yeah, they, they didn't. And they did great. I'm not saying I'm not taking anything away from them. They did great. Yeah. But they did not start it. Yeah. That is, and we have film to prove it. Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously. in fact, I took uh, uh, the world champion Pot Potter. Yeah. And then I took Tommy Carroll, and I took Kong. You know, and then by that time, I was too tired. Yeah. <laughs> but Lair didn't want to. He was staying at our house and he goes, Oh, no, I won't do that. He lived at our house. And so you just go, So they want to now claim it that they were the ones that started that They did not start it. And yes, they did a wonderful job yeah. making it more popular, but they did not start it. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, and you started it. it with a jet ski. Yeah. 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 Jet ski. They, they did Zodiac. Because I'd ride then... outside logs and come in and Lair to be in the house. And they didn't want to help me up the beach at all with the jet ski or anything. And Buzzy'd be there and Hans Edeman. And, and I'd ask them, hey, come on, let me tow you in. I had a tow rope, right? Because I used to tow Christian and Nathan. <laughs> Even Johnny Boy in, in smaller waves, you know. But in the big waves, they thought I was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's definitely like, uh, you know, it's on video. There's definitely a pinnacle point of like, everybody knows. Well, you couldn't get around. You couldn't in. get around, and you couldn't paddle in these waves. Yeah. See, me and Christian and Nathan would watch Herbie, Mister Insane, right? He'd launch his jet ski with his running shoes on and everything, and launch in front of the Training house. Training shoes with cleats. And, and so you'd watch him, man, going over these waves with, for hours, and I'd right? Make thick pads. And and you'd just go, whoa! And Jerry Lopez was there, and so it was, and so he was a madman. Yeah. Completely mad, right? And those jet skis were. Kind of like well, he had his dangerous, modified. like weird, like small ones, right? He had his the modified. original ones, right? Uh, they're like flip foam. Yeah, uh, they were stand-up skis, and you know they're like uh, more like this a wide surfboard. To yeah, me, with a motor in it. Yeah, but you but had one, yours bored out. Yeah, I had it bored and stroked, and uh, I'd make different things for it, and um, they had different things in, inside the motor. So when you would jump and land and stuff they had metal to metal where it'd be welded and and it would always crack there for the muffler and then you lose your power and you're stuck somewhere so i put a radiator hose there where it break all the time there was just small things i put in ride plates different ride plates v bottoms uh sponsons on the uh, on the side so like when you turned it'd be like a fin and you'd hold in and mm-hmm. you could carve it and See, he modified they, it. They yeah. did he this years it. later. Yeah. Yeah. He served it. They did it later. Oh, yeah. And then I put wide ones on it. So when you do like 20-foot jumps over the backs of waves, 
you because when you land you'd go about that far underwater you know from your head and then you'd have to gas it to come back up and i got film of that water shots of almost landing on like Don King, but Don King, such a waterman, he knew I wasn't going to land on him. Yeah. And he'd stay there and film the whole thing. He wanted to get the shot. He got it. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I mean, watching those old videos of you literally <laughs> dragging a foot trying to get barreled is Well, I got barreled at Pipeline yeah. and, and like, going into Pipeline from the left set uh, um, like off the wall. Yeah. And, and those... Like jet skis were kind of just more lake based, or were they ocean? Like, or like, well, mine was ocean. But like, as no, far as yeah, like, yeah, you know, like the sport itself. If you went and bought them, yeah. if you went and bought it, like, it was for the lake. For the yeah. lake, right? Yeah, no kidding. Like that, Kawasaki Sport. didn't want to know about Herbie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, the people the at Kawasaki lawyers. did not want to know about Herbie. Yeah. They didn't want people going out and doing this. Yeah. That's not why they made these. No. They made them for not. a little lake. Yeah. You know, they didn't want to. They didn't want the liability of people going out. Yamaha did though. Yeah. And they made ones that. Were so strong, but they were too heavy. Yeah, for the stand-up ones. It's so crazy. I mean, the evolution of what those were to what, to what they are now. Right. You know, it's, it's. And then they made the couches, which are the sit-downs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it was so big at one point. They they <laughs> would do shows during the uh, OP Pro. They would do an expression yeah. session, and they bring in the jet skis. Were you part of that? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was nuts. A couple times. Yeah. Randy Lane. Yeah. yeah. Was it, he, he had a club called the Wave Busters, but he'd always invite me. Yeah. But that, I mean, it was... I think he's still doing one. it. Breaking arms and all kinds of crazy... <laughs> they're doing such insane... Now, they... I don't even know how fast they go, but Brian K. Alana, who does a lot of rescue, and, and that's what I thought they'd be great at is rescue. Um, he has an 1800 with a dual prop, so he can go right through the foam. And that's what they use in the big toe days. You know? So nuts. Yeah. It's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. Talking, like, you know, so that one day, you're, you know, pretty much out racing, like, close out Waimea, too. Yeah. Like, it's, like, at what... See, that's when you say, just send me the video, yeah, honey. I'm like, staying home so I don't have to watch. Yeah. That was my hot dog jet ski, and my other ones weren't working. Yeah. And <laughs> I was just, like, an adrenaline junkie, or you wanted to see if you could outrace the biggest waves? Like, what, what, oh, I didn't outrace them. I rode them. Yeah. And then, like, I was upside down in the hook in that wave, and my jet ski dropped. And it, I told you, it was my hot dog one, so I had made it narrow. I custom made it, you know. And cut cut down like I think four inches off of each side, and so it would sink down in the water. And so I could do like turns and drag my shoulder in the water, but it'd have to be small waves and glassy because when it was bigger and it would suck down in between bumps and it would hobby horse and then jump off the next one. So anyway, I'm riding this big wave at Waimea, closed out wave, and. Um, I keep bouncing and sucking up the wave, sucking up the wave. Pretty soon, my feet are abo above my head, up in the wave, and I'm holding on to the handlebars, and the jet ski just falls out from underneath me, but it's so narrow, it, it uh, lands just before I'm getting pitched, and I, I got a full throttle, and it's just going wee. And it's gonna blow up, and it didn't matter because I was gonna die. <laughs> and and, it, and my jet ski caught, and I just zoomed to the bottom and came out in front. 
So it just nice. blew my mind. I just held on. Yeah, because every and time... This is Waimea. That's closed out Waimea. Yeah, every time you bump up and you're getting no water through the... Like, you're... you're I'm in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're in the water, you're not getting any speed. Oh, you're my You're talking 40-foot, 50-foot face. Uh, it was probably bigger than that. Yeah. yeah. Probably a bigger out. face than that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it was the biggest wave ever ridden at the time. You know, that's what Peter Cole told me, and he was sort of a judge on that he goes yeah it was bigger than the telephone pole out there you know higher yeah, than the yeah. telephone pole and there's nobody else out or there surfers uh at the time there it, it wasn't that big and uh it was about 18 to 20 foot and there was a bunch of young guys out but i went back to get my jet ski and came back and it gotten bigger and uh and uh Scott Farnsworth got caught inside and he barely made it to the beach. He got pounded and almost drowned. Farney charging Waimea? And yeah, they had to move the contest because it was too big for sunset and stuff, right? That I don't know about the contest. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> anyway, it, was, uh, it w wasn't that big, but then all of a sudden it started closing out. Wow. And so I went by Peter McGonigal and Chris Innersby and I think Joey Baran. They're out. These aren't the big wave riders, right? Yeah. And I go, and I was standing up. I go, the biggest set I've ever seen out in the water uh, is at logs right now. It's going to be here. Paddle for your life <laughs> outside because, you know, when it closes out, it could be, it could break out on the next reef, which is 100 yards out. Yeah. And, um, that's scary. So anyway, I made it out and I waited for the third wave and caught it. And, you know, all those guys got caught inside. So nuts. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And there was like six sets right in a row closed out. Just pulsing. What was like the feedback from, you know, I mean, the lifeguard? Anybody's like giving you uh, hassle? No, like no, no, no. They were applauding on the beach. They, everybody stood up. All the big wave riders were We made it. Up. Yeah. They were like, you're life. <laughs> they loved it. They were, yeah. they were applauding. Yeah. You know, they just thought it was the greatest thing they'd seen because nobody had ridden waves that big at that time. Yeah. And now and they got Jaws and Nazare, but, you know, Jaws is, you know, I like to go film those places. Too. You know, And Mavericks. eventually they started using more and more jet skis, right? Yeah, for rescue and yeah. for uh, photography. And, and tow. And tow. And then Nathan wanted to do paddling. So it went, started going the other way again, right? Yeah. It, things come and go, yeah. right? Yeah, you know? Nathan was in a contest and goes, I'm not a tow guy anymore. I'm a paddle in. And yeah. He was up there in Oregon on a big left. And he was in the finals and he just left. And so and so I think, because man needs to have that next adventure. You go, oh, I feel like I've done this, yeah. right? Now I want to go do this. I want to push, push the envelope here, right? And yeah. so you go, that's kind of interesting. Do you guys trip out on how gnarly... <laughs> your kids are like christian nathan how fucking crazy gnarly <laughs> well, well like I, apple didn't fall apart from no, I know but you know no, what i mean like because no, they were but they're raised to to do stuff yeah. do you understand right yeah. so it's kind of it's just what they do it's not who they are you know what i mean yeah. and so they both but they've always kind of pushed the envelope and so you go well why wouldn't they? i pushed them to push the envelope i told christian that this is the next deal it's aerials <laughs> you, you know and pots was this 15 yeah. or something yeah. then you know yeah. christian was like 
nine or Herbie 10. Herbie has the eye. Her, yeah. <clears> but I go, this is it. You. you know, aerials are the next thing. So you got to, you know, so he, he went and pushed the limit on doing aerials. And then he, so I skateboarded and, and, uh, and I'd take him to the big O, him and Nathan. They both skateboarded. And J Jason, Jesse. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he loved skateboarding because you could do it at, you know, if the surf wasn't good or whatever. And so he learned all the tricks skateboarding. And so the surfers were always scared of hurting themselves skateboarding. And when they'd see Christian do uh, stale fishes and stuff, they didn't even know what the names were. Yeah. You know, or what the maneuvers were. Yeah. But the skaters knew. The skaters knew. All the skaters knew. Yeah. You know, all they, the skaters and, knew. And then when snowboarding happened, all the snowboarders knew too. Yeah. Because Christian created all the the aerial maneuvers that the kids do today. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, certainly. Like Christian's known for... And he's got other ones that they don't even know yet. Yeah. And so because whether they, they like him or not, he he changed surfing. He did. Whether they whether they like him, they try to erase him, they try to cancel him. He changed surfing, and that's true. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, we like him, not like him, whatever. That has nothing to do with it. Yeah. History's history is history. You know. History. And even though they try to change it to make it more appropriate for whatever their bottom line is. Herbie changed surf. Herbie changed toe. Christian changed shortboard surfing. That's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah. And Nathan was right there. He knew it all, but he wanted to turn really hard. But he, he skated. He could do all the aerials yeah. and stuff. He watched his brother. He learned from his brother. Yeah. Well, we talked about uh, Code Red Tahiti and yep. GT mentioned um, he was out there. Nathan was out there like. I think Nathan has changed surfing in his own way. It may not be as a maneuver or something, but maybe it's just his sense of who he is. Oh yeah. I think he's got this True kind. Waterman I think he's got. Surfing. I think he's got this vibe yeah. that you go. That's a real surfer. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? And so, and he maybe has the gift that these guys who I pushed the envelope. He may have. He may have the. Um, that likability that people go, yeah, but that guy is the guy, yeah. right? And they, you go, that's really nice. Yeah, and I mean, you can't take a, take anything away from a, a, a guy, you know, like Nathan or, or Christian that did it their own way. Yeah. You know? oh, not conform. They don't, they didn't go get a sponsor because they wanted to be part of that team or get the well, photo. See, just like they when just Nathan was young. And they tried to cancel Christian at 12. Nathan, when Nathan was young, he Christian, it was hard being Christian's brother. Yes. I, I admit that. Believe me, it was hard being his mom. Yeah. And so Nathan, though, went and put on a helmet and went motocross racing because there was a finish line and he did not have to be Nathan Fletcher. Mm. He had the anonymity of just pure talent yeah. and he needed to go out and do that. And then finally he said, you know, I'm ready to take this off and go surfing. And so that was, I thought it was very interesting how he addressed it for himself. Yeah. Because we never tried to make him feel that way, but you know, you feel how you feel in your own skin. Yeah. It doesn't matter what someone else tells you. Pat you on the back and said, Oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That has nothing to do with how you feel yourself. Yeah. And so I watched Nathan do this to become his own man and I thought it was very interesting how he did it. And I think it was commendable how he found a path that allowed him 
to be that guy that said, now I can take that off and I can own who I am. Yeah. And he goes, and you know, I'm a surfer. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> that, I said, what a story, right? Because I'm a storyteller. Yeah. Just like I write a lot. I've written for lots of different magazines and stuff, right? My friend Bruce Weber, like I said, he'd hire me to write for Italian Vogue and all these different things when he'd kind of, photograph, kind of photograph surfers and Interview stuff, magazine. right? Yeah, every yeah, magazine, yeah. and so, so awesome. I always got, I've gotten to write a lot, and so I kind of think about it from a different point of view as as being a woman, but also being around all of it, I have a different perspective of yeah. it, so I like the story of it. Yeah. Maybe not the action of it, but the story behind the action, that's what fascinates me. Yeah. Did, did Christian and Nathan uh, get along as brothers growing up, or were yes. they? Yeah. That's what I kind Christian of was fun. Yeah. Are you kidding? Nathan yeah. was five years younger. Yeah. Christian was fun. Yeah. I'm looking at it going, holy cow, he has a lot of fun. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But no, they got along great, and then there was a falling out, like, and that was okay, too. Yeah. yeah. That was okay, too. But they get along great now. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw that. Um, I watched that uh, DNA, Griffin, Colapino, and um, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. It's but, pretty cool. Yeah. It was both of them uh, talking about, you uh-huh. know. Uh-huh. about growing up and surfing and have a brother yeah. and, you know, yeah. pushing each other and watching each other and grow and learn and all that. I think, I think it's got its own challenge. And life has challenges. Yeah. Oh, for you sure. Know. Yeah. And it's hard, you know, it's, yeah, Chris, Christian, he, he was a prodigy, like superstar. But, and, he was, and, and, and he had a big mouth. Yeah. See if he could have maybe not said something. But that wasn't his nature. Yeah. That his nature was to be like that. That's how he was able to surf like he could. Yeah. yeah. Because he was brash and didn't care and it was just kind of in your face. Yeah. And so that, but that, and we are who we are. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. And so that's, and so it allowed him, but he took a lot. So Nathan internalized it a lot and he felt very kind of conscientious and said, oh, I don't. I don't so, like that. Speaking of lineage and tiger's blood that just keeps going, <laughs> you, your grandson. Grayson? Gray, yeah. He's, like, he's fuck fucking him. rad. He's wow, so rad. right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, in, I'm his manager. He's fired me. and I'm back again. Right? Yeah. I, well, but he's he's really good. He's, I, yeah. I get like, there's, there's style. How much can one family fucking have? Yeah. As well, he always like went talent. surfing and skating, and but then he just went skating. Yeah, and skating. But you know, you can help. You can help he them develop that. Yeah, you can help them develop that. Most parents can, don't know how to do that, dude, and it's like, not by you guys pushing are like them. Batting a thousand, but it's not by like, it's not by pushing them. That's no. not how you do it. Yeah. you got to give them, them and but, them. but you also got to give them the right equipment. Yeah. Just like put them in a wetsuit when they're little the whole time, because then they're warm and comfy and their you muscles put them in are, so and they their don't muscles hurt their are feet soft, right? Yeah. And so then they'll just stay out all day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, there's some things. They lay in the sand, right? But there's. There are some things that you can do to help them be that guy. Yeah, yeah. You know? but definitely. Like, like, you guys, like, you know, being the grandparents and being the parents, then being the grandparents of, like, crazy talent, like, inexplicable talent sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're too well, sons. Grayson and, hung out with, like, John John and all the... And, you know, a lot of great surfers, he, he, and, but he and also he, hung out with all the great skaters, right. the older ones, you know, like from um, Tony Alva. Christian's generation, yeah. you yeah. know, and so, and so like he went, um, Christian took him uh, to the Quicksilver Contest, which was the, the quick sur- surf skate. When he was 12. When he, you know, oh, what could happen? 
Well, a lot, but whatever. They made it. Do you understand? And so he was exposed to a lot of things. So we were laughing the other day, and he goes, I'm that guy now. You know what I mean? When I see those young guys, Mm. he goes, now I realize that I'm that guy. Yeah. You know, and so... And so it's interesting because when you get far enough away from it, you can kind of look yeah. back and say, I get the lesson now. Yeah. You might not have got it when you were in it, yeah. but in hindsight, you go, oh, okay, yeah. that was what that was for yeah. me, right? And so Grayson and I talk about a lot of this stuff. In fact, I was going to call him today because I was in the bank and there was this man with his son getting him his first um Bank card, do you yeah. understand? And I had to laugh because I thought I did all that stuff with Grayson, right? And it was so it just kind of reminded me of that, you know, yeah, all those yeah. little silly things you do. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you look at whether you're a course skater or not, and you 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 watch Grayson, and you're just like, he's that, that is just raw, unpredictable, but smooth and powerful and fast. And Herbie, when you're talking about, I just wanted a board that I could just go, you know, as yeah. fast as I can. Yeah. You know, like. And, and without look, pads or a helmet. Well, yeah. Or yeah. well, shoes. Yeah. Well, you know, and so people will say, see, like, people will say stuff like, Trump. I'll post something on Instagram and they'll tell me about, you know, oh, well, you know, he should be wearing a helmet. And I want to say, hey, you know what? You can unfollow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you wear a helmet. If that's yeah. what you feel, you wear a helmet. Yeah. Yep. You know, you, you do that. And that's good. You know, yeah. but you just go, don't tell me what to do. Yeah, yeah. I, ooh, that's something that really gets to me. Yeah. You know? Mother bear over there did No, I, I just don't like, I don't like being told what to do. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I like being given a choice, and yeah. I'll usually pick the right thing, but boy, once you tell me, I said, I wouldn't do that now to save my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just think, and so Grayson, I think he should wear a helmet I, now, especially, do you understand? But you just go, he was doing what he needed to do, how he needed to do it. you yeah. got to give him the space to do that. Well, everybody else wore helmets and pads, and he didn't, and now nobody wears a helmet or pads pretty yeah. much. But he approaches things really fast, whereas you'll see other uh, skaters, they'll approach something to do a trick, and they'll slow down. And he just picks up speed and just goes off. Uh, it's it's beautiful watching, yeah. like yeah, because yeah. the skate park, you know, it, there, there's it's your own lines and it's the way you can kind of take surf a wave. You know, it's like your own lines and yeah, I like the way that guy surfs or I like his style or I like what that, that move, but. You, you, you put it all into one. Herbie, Herbie took Grayson skateboarding. He would leave the office and he'd take him skateboarding three times a week. And he'd take him every More than that. And he'd take him every single weekend. Yeah. I'd go ballroom dancing and Herbie would take him skating. <laughs> but I was the first pool skater. Yeah. I don't know if you Oh, hey, 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 ball. Shut up. Yeah. yeah. In the world? In You're the, the first yeah. pool skater in the world? Yeah. What I know of, I got the first photo. Really? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's he's, way before and he's and he's the one that cut off. Years he's least. the one that cut off the wheels. No matter what you heard in Dogtown, Herbie's the one. Stacy Peralta came here to interview Herbie, and Herbie told him the story about going to um, the Pavilion in Huntington Beach and cutting off the wheels. No, we bought a used pair of skates, my best friend and I, because we grew up in Huntington. So you know, we're like thirteen or something like that, and. Uh, we went and bought a pair of used roller skates, you know, for almost nothing, and put on clay wheels on skateboard, you know, that we made in wood shop. 
um, it was just a piece of oak cut out like a surfboard and we put wheels on it, sort of like what the Macahas were. Yeah. And uh, anyway, Ron Stoner, the surf photographer in, I don't know, 64, I think it was, uh, asked me if I wanted to go uh, skate this pool. That uh, There was a pool up in Stanton. It was a ranch that had burnt down. And uh, so... Yeah, I went up there and skated it. And we have pictures, barefoot in a Jack Haley surf jacket, going above the light, barefoot with clay wheels. I need that photo. Wow. Uh, it's, it, it, Juice Magazine has done, used it, yeah. right? Well, when Dogtown came out... Uh, they told the story about cutting off the wheels. Stacy Peralta heard it from Herbie. There was already urethane wheels in. Yeah. Yeah, there was already. See that? See, so stuff. I listen to all these guys that do these stories, yeah. and they go out and they recreate history. Dogtown did a great job of making skateboarding. You know, uh, it was a buddy movie. It was a great movie. You know, but 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 yeah. the, but, but, the, but they took artistic license, and I understand that. But then the guys will never come back and say, "Oh no, that's not really the truth." Do you yeah. understand, right? No, and no, so, no uh, Tony respects it, and Tony Alba, and yeah. so does uh, Jay Adams. Yeah. Jay Adams really respected it because yeah. he knew. wanted me in the uh, Hall of Fame, the Surf Skateboard Hall of Fame. Yeah, and was he was pushing for it? That photo in Staten, like, what was it used and printed in, or... or it wasn't printed. Yeah. It wasn't printed. But now we have it on a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and it's called The Pool, right? It says The Pool on the side of well, it. Well, that's what it was called. And, um... Shoot. Um... It just didn't belong in, in Dogtown, the, the movie. Yeah. You know, it, it was before, it was yeah. like... 12 or so years before those guys but they took a piece of your story but they yeah they they made a great buddy movie i thought it was a great movie yeah, yeah. the documentary it was but i'm just, but here's the, the only thing i have about this is history is history and that's why like somebody they called me up from stab magazine the other day and they wanted this girl to kind of interview her because she wanted to talk about you know like wave warriors and I thought, you know what, she wasn't even alive when we were doing Wave Warriors. And what's wrong with surf is they're letting too many young kids talk about the history. And I have to say that I really feel that a lot of the history needs to be told by somebody who has a context of what it was, it was really like then. Yeah. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. I lived here before there was a free wave. Yeah. So for this girl to talk about wave warriors, okay, in Hawaii at that time, you got a hand man, you got your teeth slapped out. Yeah. Do you understand? She would not. What? Yeah. Uh, and so you go, she can't tell the story of wave warriors. Yeah. She doesn't have what it takes to tell it. Do you understand, yeah. right? Because she didn't live it. she's just all secondhand. No, and not even secondhand. Yeah, like, Do you I understand? Mean, like, and so I told the guys from Stab, I said, that'll be no. Yeah. And they yeah. went, well, well, Dibby, we're doing this thing. I said, I don't care. Leave us out. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're so, doing a thing on surf movies. And so I but. just, and so maybe that sounds really kind of far out, but you know what? I mean, I'm a great writer. Why don't I write it? Yeah. Why yeah. is some kid that's younger than my grandson, Grayson, who's never been around? Do you understand? Yeah, yeah. And so I find that that's very interesting that these are the people now that want to tell the history of surf. So you have the Dogtown movie that changed how the wheels came about. You have the, the movie about whether it's Garrett McNamara changing how, how tow-in came about. 
surf history is changing yeah. because it's being retold by people that weren't there or people that have a vested interest in making their story yeah. have this authenticity to it. And I think that that's sad because like my dad's generation, they're almost all gone. Yeah. So their stories, Herbie and I have documented, we've taken a lot of interviews with a lot of these old guys that are dead now. Yeah, great. And so I really feel that we're one of the last ones around that really were there. Yeah, yeah. And so yes, a lot of people want to write about it and they want to talk about it. Like Surfer's Journal, we, they were going to do this big article on us and they said, oh, well, we're going to have this, new, uh, this, this girl surfer from New York interview you. And I thought, well, there's an oxymoron, a girl surfer from New York. Okay. I said, first of all, she's going to go online and she's going to read stuff about us that already isn't true. And she's not going to like me. So then she's going to want to do an interview with me and prove why she doesn't like me. Yeah. So I told Steve, I told Steve Pesman, that will be no. I said, if anyone's going to do something on me, I'm going to write it. Yeah. yeah. First hand. Why wouldn't I? Yeah. You know, and Unless so they, had, so then they had somebody person. do something on Herbie, and it was so bad that I made Steve Pesman come down here, and I hassled him, and I said, "How dare you have could have printed those terrible things about Herbie? Yeah. You guys were friends for more than fifty years. What was in it for you to do that?" And he goes, "I didn't read it." Oh, wow. And so at this stage, I have learned that most people that want to write about Christian, they want to take something that happened 30 years ago and rehash it and re-talk about it. Do you understand? Yeah. And you go, who does that serve? Yeah. And so I feel that our story is interesting because it was a time. Yeah. And you could never, it won't ever be like that again. Yeah. The opportunities have changed. Everything has changed. So and for us sitting down here with you, you is an honor right but well, you, thank you. you you understand like you were we want to tell the story the way you want to That's tell it. it yeah you know and it's 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 really cool to hear that you've told stab no and you've told well, other people know, but you say well, yes. No, to because us, so. because it's, I want to tell because yeah. we want to tell this it is our your way. Story. Yeah. We're just we're not here to tweak it. Tweak it or anything. We're we're just yeah. Like everybody else well, you're like let's tell it. Yeah. Well, that's and that's, that's the point. Deal. See, yeah. I don't mind uh, because I think sharing the history of surf is is important. Very. Oh my gosh. And I think like from my dad's generation and all his friends, well, like I'm saying, the people that are telling it now weren't there, so they're reading something on Google written by somebody that wasn't there. Yeah. Well, you, we grew up with magazines, and the magazines are they're only yeah. ask you a couple of clickbait questions and a couple of things. They're not going to get in depth. It's not. They only have four they pages were, for were, you or two. They and were half owned or, by. Well, the, when I was they, young, I wouldn't even talk to them. They the were owned by the advertisers. <laughs> and and even when they'd the come to Pipeline, they'd have to sit way away from Pipeline because they get beat up for something they said about somebody else okay, well, before, our, the year before. In our and own, they'd come to Surfing Magazine, and, and the tough guys would, and, we and were in the same, with them. Yeah. We were in the same building with Surfing for 20 years. Yeah. My dad owned the building, right? And so we were in the same building with them for 20 years, right? And they didn't talk to us for 20 years. It was so funny. That's when we were making Wave Warriors and everything. But I'm just saying, so most yeah. of the articles were written to please the sponsors who was financing the magazine. Yeah. So they would never but write... But that was their biggest advertiser. They hated you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the, 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 the At before, that time. The, that magazine format or, or, you know, online, it doesn't doesn't give you the, the platform of, of long form to tell you interesting stories like you know here we're 
trying to tell your guys' story and you get sidetracked and like, oh, that was interesting. And oh, yeah, we did. And yeah. it's kind of free flowing. And, and this really kind of lets you guys shine as it's your story. Like you talk. You well, know, whether shine or not, because I yeah. think that there's, it, it's just a life. It's just a life. And yeah. we were just there doing, and we were doing what we knew how to do to have a family, to pay the rent, to pay your insurance, and to do all the things that a family needs to do to take care of themselves. Yeah. So, it wasn't some overarching idea of, boy, boy, are we going to make a lot, yeah. a lot of money. Wow. Oh, that's interesting. So, that never kind of bore fruit, but whatever. <laughs> did did um, your dad help support you when you guys were younger, like nope. going off on your own? So there was like a... Nope. Yeah, there was like a little bit of a separation, little... You made your bed, you lie in it. Yeah. yeah. So that he was pissed. No, they was no? He, I'll tell you what my dad did Just do that up. was really great. He would do, uh, He would sign for credit. Do you understand? I ha- We had to do all the work. Yeah. Do you understand? But he would co-sign that yeah. if anything happened. So, it, so you had that opportunity. Yeah. Do you understand? Just yeah. like when I co-sign for a car for Grayson. Do you understand? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You start by giving them the credit that they need. That's a huge thing. Yeah. Do you understand? That's and what so a, that's a, that's what... But did he help us? Yeah. Absolutely not. You guys... Sink or swim, baby. Yeah, sink yeah. or swim. That's it. And then he didn't know anything about what I was doing like with Astrodeck. Yeah. He knew about the surfboard thing, but there was nothing he could do. But he did turn me on to a couple of distributors, Hmm. like in Japan, because he imported stuff from Japan. But they never panned out. I had to find the right guy. But see, like, Rebby, my dad had a whole network of people that were interesting. So I could call them. and, And I do miss that because I'd have other people I could call and talk business with. Do you understand? Yeah. It's not that they would do anything for me, but they were a fountain of information yeah. about business in general. Do you yeah. understand? Yeah, totally. So when we were growing up, like Grubby was helpful about having a manufacturing facility. Do you understand? He'd yeah. say, close down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, he'd try to screw me, but I'd catch on to it. You know, that, they, they the tried to screw is. us. Yeah. They, that's the way they were. That was kind they, of their generation. Yeah. They yeah. saw a, a, a good idea. They, they he was a prankster. To, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, like uh, Jerry Lopez and him were uh, uh, motorcycling, and Grubby went down really hard on the Big Island in the lava, right? Ooh. And uh, and uh, and and uh, and Jerry gets him back in the truck, gets everything loaded, and they're, and they're driving away. And Grubby looks over at him and goes, "Jerry, you really fucked up." And Jerry's going, "What do you mean I really fucked up?" You should have kicked me when I was down. <laughs> That's okay. My dad got really hurt. And so Grubby's taking him. To, they were motorcycling down in Mexico. Grubby gets him in the car and everything. And he goes, Walter, he goes, this is really great. He goes, they're going to have to cut your new leathers off. He goes, your dad was so pissed, right? And so they were like practical jokers. Yeah, yeah. You make it light of something, uh, you know, difficult. And you know? so, no, they never helped us. And yeah. you know what? And, and I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. All my, my siblings all work for my dad. You know? And I look at that now. And yes, I would have made a lot more money had I gone to work for my dad. 
but I never have any of the skills that I have because I never would have had to have them. Do you yeah. understand? Yeah. Well, I would have had to have been a yes man. Yeah, and that's to my to my dad. That's what we love to talk about. We would have been divorced. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> couldn't have handled it. No. Yeah. No, because the thing was, is my dad he needed to be king, and yeah. so I never would have learned all the things. But with Herbie, I had to learn. Okay, you do this part. Well, I'm going to have to do this and this to make that go. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. Right. And we're still doing it. You yeah. know, with our art. You know? Right, like we did a show at Gagosian's. That is the most prestigious art gallery in the world on Madison Avenue. And I wrote the book with, I, I got it published by Rizzoli and stuff. And so I told the story of the art show. And so we've gotten to do a lot of things that a surf family would never do. Yeah. That is so off the beaten track, right? Said, yeah, we did that. Yes, that's so hot. Yeah. And so we've but gotten, it's not over yet. We're still doing things, you know. And so now Herbie's gotten so involved in the art, and so I kind of tell the story, and so that's just the next frontier for it. For he and I, you're not going to be physical like you were when you're 30. That's yeah. that's reality. But I've done art all my life, from you know surfboards, you know, and spray painting them with spray paint. Oh yeah, well, yeah, your jet ski, you everything, <clears throat> Astrodeck, everything has yeah, been art and art. You know, all the ads, you know, in those days, you had to do ruby cuts, which were <clears throat> where you cut things out and paste them up, and you know, you send things to. Um, correct color or whatever the name was in San Diego to do four color separations. You know, now it's just on the computer, you know. Yeah. And so I'm just saying it, so this is just another, it's just another venue. Do you yeah. understand? Do you see, let's push this, right? And we'd be it's, in the photo lab developing the photos. You know, this is, you know, the 70s. Yeah. You know, the early 70s. I, I, I wanted to talk about the importance of Wave Warriors and what that meant to my generation and oh yeah dude. I, mean, I mean that when you guys first did the first one like what were your what, what well were your, i told what? you it was so we can <clears throat> promote astrodeck we yeah. had no money yeah. yeah okay what i was doing was um i was doing a promo video for astrodeck we're doing uh uh surfing and sailboarding and so anyway, I was shooting surfing, and uh, I had so much footage at Pipeline because, you know, just hanging out, you know, I knew everybody and knew when they were surfing and when they weren't, and they were all my friends. And so um, I just started shooting them, so I had a, all this footage. And so I go, <clears throat> I go to my friend who was in the... Uh, rock and roll business and did shows <clears throat> excuse me and so we'd show like different people you know the backup bands for the rolling stones or uh you know herman's german who did scorpions and all these different bands yeah right and they'd be making music up at the record plant in uh hollywood or la and <clears throat> excuse me and then uh, I'd show them the film, you know, in video form, and uh, they'd go, wow, that's rad, and, the, and they'd want to make a m music for it. Or I had other friends that just made music for it. And uh, anyway, so I go, well, let's put the music together. I got the footage, and so, uh, but I wanted to make a, <clears throat> make a training tape for surfers, uh, a rock and roll training tape so the kids could listen to radical music and see their favorite surfers and the best surf, the best surfers and the best surf and 
before they go out surfing. So I made the first videos for surfers to sell in a surf shop. There was other people that, Quicksilver had made a, 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 a video, but it was only for trade shows and, and promos for the office. And I wanted to sell this. Is that thing gonna pick up that constant creaking? And uh, nobody wanted to- Part of the ambiance. Okay. Nobody wanted to know about uh, surf videos. And I put them in Jack's surf shop on the counter and say, hey, here's uh they tell her me to go 10. to Best Buy, whatever what it was. <laughs> what, what was it? Was a video store? Yeah. Remember that? But Blockbuster. Oh, take it to Blockbuster. And and so I go. They're not even going to want to know about it, right? Yeah. I go. Just put it here on the counter. Yeah. You know, and see see what happens. And so anyway, I went back the next week and it was gone. Yeah. You know, and they were like fifty nine dollars at the time. Wow. You know, but it was a forty five minute uh, video. But the kids loved it, yeah. you know, and, and I made my money back and made some money. I didn't have to show shows. Wave Warriors 2, I went in and made the movie, but I also showed it in big theaters with like the Terrace Theater with 2,000 people and, yeah. and rock and roll bands on the... Which, uh, which we miss to this dude, day, yeah. the, 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 the movies that would tour your local cinema. Oh, we took yeah, it. but I did it a different way. I'd bring a rock and roll band. Yeah, yeah. we took it. And I'd bring all the surfers and, and have them up on premiere. stage with piles of stickers, throwing them in the audience, and everybody going crazy with lights out in the front with, you know, those yeah. big skylights yeah. going around. The red carpet to the surf and, and, Oh, we were right. It was and rock it was, and roll. You know, it was a big party, yeah. Yeah. you know? We took it to Woody's in, uh, in Miami. That was Ron Woods' club, so we did an opening in there with, with Ron, Ron Woods was playing with Bo Diddley. Rolling Stones? Uh, yeah. Ron Wood? Yeah. 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 We did <laughs> all mean, sorts of rap people that we just kind of hooked up with and said, oh, let's do this. Like, oh, oh that sounds good. I mean, you surf. have a rock and roll band with a surf movie. Yeah. You know, that's something different. Yeah. And that was fun. You know, it was we a had big fun. party. Yeah. People would be then outside. It was, and and it was trying to keep all those surfers in line. They'd get so loaded. They'd get lost. And, oh, my God, you're looking for them. You're just going, oh, Jesus, this is <laughs> What a deal. Well, yeah, you're, 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 you're giving these guys a, a, a you're platform. Bringing, yeah, platform. They're stars. Making them famous. Yeah. Oh, and then we did the combo contest. That was fun. Dude. We did a couple of those. Yeah, zippers. <laughs> that was a rock and roll, fishnet hose, barf out your nose extravaganza. Where we did the Cabo Wabo and the surf contest. It was party and lots of rock party, and roll bands party, on the beach. You party know? planes, and, yeah, right? Yeah. It was rad. GT was telling us about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did, did that. Did Kelly win the first one, or did Christian win the first one? Archie won the first, Archie and won uh, the first. Uh, Kelly won the second. And they, it was supposed to be an aerial and most radical stuff. And the judges I had, I I thought they understood that and. They didn't get it. They gave Christian like last place and he did two aerials on one wave and I'm I put on the contest so I couldn't say anything. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going, What the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. You can't, doing, and this is a radical contest. Yeah. It isn't about three turns to the beach. Yeah, but the rock and rolls, I mean he was doing the judo. judo yeah, there, and so like, those were so those know, were fun. Yeah. By the fourth one I said, Herbie, I'm not doing this. Yeah. I said there's federales walking around with machine guns and there's chicks and butt floss. I said, We are this is gonna be trouble. This is yeah. it. This I've oh, had enough. One. Right? This You know what? Now that you mentioned those things, can we do it again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun and it was a time, right? So I went down I'm to Mexico. Here. I went down to done? Mexico and dealt 
better than. De dealt with a board of tourism, right? I got two party planes, right? Yeah. So we filled up one with rockers and record execs, and we filled up the other one with surfers. I mean, it was wild, yeah. right? It was fun. Well, I mean, how unique, you know, to bridge those gaps. Of course, yeah, surfing and, and good music go hand in hand, but yeah. when you're bringing and exposing those rock stars or the... Oh, yeah, the we had Alice in Chains. Nathan was playing with... Uh, Oh, like, uh, what was Armored Saint? He was playing music with them. We had the Cabo, uh, Sammy Hagar's Cabo Wabo. It was, it was fun. Yeah. yeah, it was really fun. In fact, the one guy. Surfers he, are pretty fucking cool. Huh? What? <laughs> they're, they're probably thinking, yeah, these surfers are pretty fucking cool. Well, yeah. They like the party. Uh huh. Yeah. It was fun. And so I got all the hotel rooms comped and everything, right? Because it was off season in Cabo. Yeah. And so I'd gone down and worked for the Board of Tourism. I had a bikini contest. Bob Knott that ran zippers. Oh my God, he was such a grifter, frickin' nut. Holy cow, I couldn't find him. He's loaded underneath the bank. You know, you're just going, oh. Mm. oh. But so you it, pulled it off. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It was, you know, I got used to it, you know. But it was, it was fun, it was yeah. a party. Herbie and I were great at putting on parties. Yeah. We put on great parties. And that's, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, yeah, there's parties here and there. Yeah, there's movie premieres, but like, we there were constant. Nothing, we just, we like were that. on a roll, man. We yeah. said, okay, let's yeah. do this. This is going to be great. And the surf industry, they didn't like it so well. They were, they, the, you got to understand what motivated the surf industry. They were about selling back to school. Yeah. Bottom line, they were about selling back to school. They needed the mother's credit card to buy more than one garment at a time. And back to school was a good thing. They didn't want to know about Johnny Rotten going surfing, which was Christian. They didn't want to know about any of that stuff. Yeah. They they were so GQ because they were so desperate to have that back to school sale. Yeah. And so when I was young, I thought surfing was fucking rock and roll or should be, right? And so that's what Herbie and I thought. So that's what we did. We didn't yeah. care. That's what we were doing. Yeah. And, and so I didn't care what the surfing magazines like. Said, good, don't use this. We don't give a shit. Yeah. And so then when Bob McNona, he was the head of surfing magazine, he goes, well, I'd invite Herbie out, out to lunch, but he doesn't dress well enough. I said, you're in a building my dad owns, so who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> right. I so that's crazy. Thing. Yeah. But so Herbie and I thought surfing was that outsider thing. We didn't want it to be. See, just like now, okay, um, Sky Brown yep. and skateboarding. They've made skateboarding now that everything has to be for a 10-year-old. And so I liked it when it was about a teenager. Do you understand that it was kind of cool and yeah. it, you didn't? It didn't have to be G-rated. Do you yeah. understand? So Grayson and I a little rebellious and a little bit raw. Raw. Yeah. Yeah. So Grayson and I have talked about it. He goes, skateboarding's over. And I said, well, the way you know it, yeah. Sorry. So. Yeah, I said now it has to appeal to a five-year-old because they want the mom's credit card. Yeah. That it. That is it. Period. End yeah. of story. That's the driving force. Yeah. So when anybody says anything else, it's if you look at it and say follow the money, that's what it is. Yeah. Always. So they want it to appeal because that's who buys the stuff. Because once you're older and you have your own money, you buy whatever you want. Yeah. Do you understand? But that's what happened with surfing and skate. They yeah. needed it to appeal to that. And so then you got to figure who was designing it was the vice principal of the junior high. Oh, we can't have that graphic. Oh, no, 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 no. We can't have that. Yeah. Do you understand? So that, to me, confined and that, to me, what is what happened when I thought it was rock and roll. And when it was rock and roll, it was so much more cool. Yeah. You know, it appealed to somebody that was, yeah, man, this is really cool, right? And now it's for that 
the Hannah Montana of surf and skate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you're absolutely right, but I think there's still going to be edgy people like you that are going to be still coming up younger than us. No way. I hope so. No way. Yeah. They, they can't not and survive. And it, it's a, it's now it's just a big business. Yeah. They can surf and skate. People can surf and skate, and yeah. they, that's that. They'll be those people. But as far as business, no way. Yeah. Sorry, that's just not business. Is business. Yeah, I, I mean, look at the way Huntington Beach came. Yeah. But business is business, and so you know. so see, surfing when it started, it wasn't really a business. Do you understand? Yeah. And the more people that had graduated from college and wanted to make it a business, and their whole goal was bigger sales and. Do you understand, right? Your dad started all that. <laughs> and bringing in the corporate world and all these outsiders to run the brands and finance, you know. And well, they're, they're all owned yeah, by hedge funds. They're, fu they're all owned by hedge funds. Yeah. I'm the only surf brand left that's family owned. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe there's some others, but I mean, they don't have the history that Astrodeck does. Yeah. Do you understand, right? But yeah. I, I think there's still, you know, because you don't have to confine to the, soul, you know, to the to magazine world back in the day and the cookie cutter that was... The advertising dollars of getting product placed and the right i think now with social media there might there might be a little resurgence of people doing it their own way because their own destiny they're never going to have enough money to do it yeah true sorry. i mean that's you know it's a way sorry. different age of, it, you, of finance it, yeah. and, and getting product where it used to be able to get it made down the street or at least yep. in la or over yep. here now yeah it's you got to really do big now you got to do big numbers yeah. So then you're going to have you got to finance the surf shops. Yeah. yeah. That are on net never. Yeah. <laughs> or the big, big you know. I know about big. all of them, honey. Yeah. And I told them all now you can pay me. Period. Yeah. No financing. Yeah. Pay. Cash. COD. Cash. And so, and so I'm just saying, and so what's happening. That's Delivery. why I think Thanks. that, I, I think that you may be incorrect. Yes, yeah. it's wishful thinking, but I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. With Amazon and everything else, they want to get rid of small business. Definitely. That's the big push. And so yeah. if you think kids are coming up now that are going to be able to do it, I'm sorry, but I really don't think so. I've watched too much. I watch too much business news. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to think that you could make it now. You can't. Well, you did. If you have a surf brand, like a surfboard. Yeah. But, a hard you know. Oh, good luck with it. Yeah, yeah wait till they put you out of business doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just feel like, you know, there, there's definitely, again, wishful thinking. Or you just, you, you see, you know, people able to create a t-shirt or a, a design or a package. And they don't have to go the old routes of knocking on the door and going okay. up and down the coast. They could just... I saw Put okay. it on social media and I, I okay. I saw you know who Chris Markovich is. Yeah. Okay, skateboarder. Okay, yeah. so I'm watching him, and I so I because I, I watch everything. I mean, I need to. I pay attention. Yeah. So I'm watching him, and I said, he's selling sandals. Oh, he's selling coffee cups. Oh, look at that. He's selling a beach towel. I said, wow, what the hell? I mean, is he manufacturing all this stuff? Okay. So he had gone the Shopify route. Do you understand? And so he was having onesies manufactured in China, Alibaba, I would say. Do you understand, yeah. right? I noticed he's not doing that anymore. Mm. And so I thought, well, that's interesting. Once the supply chain got caught, do you understand, yeah. right? Done. And so, yes, he was doing this. But one, but you can only take that just so far. Yeah. Do you understand, yeah. right? 
uh, of doing a onesie or something like that. And so to grow a brand into a thing, yeah, it's gnarly. Gnarly. It's well, so gnarly. Okay, the way you got to do it. So you have a surfboard, so you're so full and you're making these surfboards. Somebody's going to come in and finance it, and then you're not going to own it, and somebody else is going to promote it. See, and that's it. the point. Yeah. That, so, so, so what I'm We live in the greatest country in the world. Yes, right? yes, so yes. But hopefully I'm just, the entrepreneur spirit but will I, keep continuing. But, I'm, but, I, but I'm telling you something, but, I, but it's being strangled, not yeah. by us being in the greatest country, but what's happening politically yeah. and everything else, you're being starved of, of that middle class financing. Yeah. Do you understand, yeah, right? Yeah. And so you just go, so do I see this changing? Well, I'm looking at it, and it doesn't look so great right now. Yeah. I mean... Honestly, you know, yes, the bigger getting bigger, and COVID really put a nail through so much. Do you understand, oh, right? So many destroyed. small businesses, yeah. right? And so you notice the bigger still getting bigger. And like all those big brands, they keep reselling. Do you understand, right? Mm. You watch this, like what's that high snobbity or whatever? I just, yeah, I just sold to some other big conglomerate. Do you understand? Mm. They started out as just an internet site. Do you understand, mm. right? Well, they sold, right? Because they couldn't have, the barracks. Yeah. Do you understand? They yeah. all end up selling. Supreme sold to. Oh, they've, yeah. been, they've been sold down the, down the line for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Do you understand, right? And so you just look at and so kids don't know at first. Yeah. Well, like Ruka, they're owned yeah. by Venture Capital. I know. It sucks. You know? Yeah. But that's, and, and, and they'll be sold again. They're going to be packaged and resold again. Yep. Because the Venture Capitalists want to make money. Well, and I mean, so what they do, yep, and then they resell it. And then they resell it. Yeah. And so it's just that cycle. And yeah. so, because I really thought about it, thinking about, oh, you know, could you really make a small business nowadays? Do you understand? I really don't know. It even happened in the restaurant business, you know, with the yeah. chart house. They, right. They, it, it happens with everything. Yeah. It's but expensive. Joey kept, it's expensive. Kept a to, of them. It's expensive to be in business. Totally. Do, do you make much money in the yeah. business you're in? It's amazing how there isn't any money at the end of the day after all the expenses. Yeah. You know? we, 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 we've interviewed a few people and we knew what, you know, the chart house was not just a good ambiance and good food. It's, it's where you got your first starter job, you right. know, busting right. tables or doing dishes right. or, you know, filling the salad bar. And, and you looked up to the guys that worked there because they were surfing all day and they were making money at night and you know like we really well that's who i copied was joey cabell who started the chart houses yeah but he surfed and he skied yep and skateboarded but, it's, a but, bit, it's, but, but it's interesting because you, go, you know are but those, he went into business are those same opportunities yeah. available to the young kids today and i don't know maybe you need to make an app do you understand maybe that's where you know that certainly seems to be where yeah you know, some because making hard goods or whether it's clothing and all this stuff, you go, it's a tough game. Yeah, to you know, begin. hopefully there's enough, you know, people, you know, that have gone, gone through the trials and tribulations of starting companies and, and losing companies or having successful companies and mentoring the next generation. And, you know, I think there's definitely a disconnect, whether it's in school or college or, you know, like, you know, supporting, young, you know, small businesses right now. Like you yeah. need... You need that mentorship. You need people to say, okay, this is what happened and this is what you need to do and, and, and hopefully help guide the next generation. And, you know, these, these interviews with you guys and, and other business owners and stuff and, 
I think it's a great lesson for people. Well, see, to just like I didn't, I haven't had any help in a long time. Yeah. Because most of them aren't help. Yeah. <laughs> like it's tough to get people to well, show up. Well, then you can't grow. Yeah. Right, and so the reality is, and so you're making a choice. And I thought, well, really, do I want to raise someone else's dysfunctional kids? I said, no, I had my own. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> But, you know, and so you just go, so it's very interesting. Yeah. There's a real kind of thing about it, right? Yeah, I mean, or you can train somebody, and as soon as you train them so they then are help, they want to leave and go someplace else. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. And so you go, so I'm. is it worth investing the time to train someone, right, where you really care? Well, I'm really sorry, but I've got a better job, so I'm leaving. Yeah. And you go, well, I just spent a fortune training you, and yeah. you're, just, you're just good so you can help me. And yeah. so there's it. So it's interesting. Yeah, and, that, and that's the unfortunate side of of the brainwashing of the youth right now. Of you know, me, me, me. I don't want to work that hard. And what do you mean, on forty hours a do week? You see, like we do work you, sixty, seventy hours. But do you hours see? The, okay, you see this. I still get up on the on that top shelf and get the pads down <laughs> yeah. and ship them myself. Yeah. I mean, I'm the one that ships Astrodeck. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody else. Yeah. OG right here. <laughs> yeah. So I know everything about it. Yeah. So you guys need to keep having kids to keep, you know. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. What? So they can go surfing? Yes. And while I'm here in the warehouse? Hey, no. we got two new grandkids. I got two new boys. Is this yeah, little, laser, laser and Jetson. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got two coming up. And they're, and they're just getting home from uh, Indonesia. From six surfing. weeks in Bali. <laughs> So cool. They weren't in the back of Astrodeck. They were six weeks in Bali. Yeah. So yes, we're having a whole other generation that does the same thing the last one did. Yeah. Right. But no, it's just, it's very interesting because I think that business is going to be a really interesting thing going forward. I don't know that people can survive being a small business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, for us whose livelihoods are those small businesses, like these surf shops and skate shops and lifestyle and, and you know, and that's how you know, we get paid, you know, we sell goods to the small mom and pop shops. And yeah, we look at, you know, how, well, just how like, many more okay. years do we have in this? Well, uh, okay. You know. And just like with gas prices and food prices, how many people are going into a surf shop now to buy clothes? Yeah. Yeah. You go, that's, that, that's interest. That's real. That's yeah. real. That's real. Yeah. And you go, whoa, you know, that mom that used to go in maybe and buy something, she's not buying that anymore. Yeah. Do you understand, right? And so you go, so how long will that last? Yeah. And how long will that allow the surf shop to pay their rent? You know, it's a cycle. That yeah. Yeah. We need good leadership and we need things to change and we need made in America and we need support. Yeah. Small mom and pop yeah. businesses. Yeah. We need sure. you guys to come up with Tiger's Blood. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's my next product wax. line. That could yeah. be a good wax company right there. <laughs> that's, you know? that's my next product line. Go with their traction, yeah. you know? Never. No, we're making <laughs> we're we're making art. We're making art. That's yeah, that's mean, what we're doing. That's No, I did wax a long time ago and then I put a line through it. We did wax, we did and then you did the spray on slip check. We've done Astrodeck, we've done boat traction, we've done wakeboards, wakeboard binding, snowboards, we've done clothing, we've done outerwear. Uh, let's see, what else have we done? <laughs> we've done a whole, done movies, books, HBO show, we've done all sorts of yeah, things. Yeah, John, uh, John of Cincinnati. John from Cincinnati, worst show ever. Worst yeah. show ever. <laughs> ever. I, I, I worst show I've, ever. Think Just okay. trust me. I watched a couple. At, as a writer, I'm saying it was the worst show ever. It. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, David Melch and Kim Nunn. Yeah. David Melch and Kim Nunn did a very poor job. 
and I think a lot of it was intentional because David was angry because his other show had been canceled. Yeah. Mm. We, we brought it up. In, Plus, they got other writers. They didn't want to know about us. Yeah. We brought it up with uh, Christian. He's like, stupid movie or stupid show. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 they had, and they had an op- Well, yeah, I just like when Grayson was doing... Um, he was doing announcing for the band's uh, skate park series, mm-hmm. and so I'd get it. He'd be in Europe, and I'd watch it. I'd wake up in the middle of the night so I could critique it and tell him how I thought he was doing, right? And so I said, well, you know, Grace, and I said, I don't think that you're utilizing all the skill that you have, and he kind of looked at me. Like, you know, they roll their eyes in the back of the head, like, oh, you old asshole, right? So, anyway, sure, Green. I, yeah. I, I said, Grayson, I said, you know when you did that show, John from Cincinnati? I said, I know you hated it. I said, but... I said, you probably had $100,000 worth of acting lessons. More than that. I said, if I was yeah. you, Good. you've got them in your medicine bag, I'd pull them out. And he goes, well, I never thought about that. I said, and he goes, wow. He was so much better after that. Yeah. No comparison. Well, yeah. he can type and talk and So that's why he did their Twitch. The he, was the, he was doing their Twitch because he is the only person that can type and talk at the same time yeah. with all the surfers and skaters because he's a gamer. Right, and so he'd do this, and so I'd watch it. I'd be on Twitch watching him, and he'd be answering everybody that's writing in questions and everything, so he was very quick at it, very good. And so like I'd tell him, I said, Grayson, I said, when you're announcing the skating, I said, you're announcing it from what you know. You gotta tell me that girl's name because I don't know it. So next time you announce, make sure I understand it. Yeah. Then he goes, oh, okay. Yeah, it's almost, yeah. He's on too much on the inside where he's just communicating between him and his, no, you have an audience. And so that's what I told him. I said, because I don't know, so you're going to have to tell me. So he goes, oh, okay, cool. And so then he was right on it. But sometimes you just need that little coaching. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Um, So going to art, I mean, so, you know, again, you guys have been traveling and doing art shows. Where? Like I think I think what really, I think what really puts you in the modern art world was the rectangles. And so you want to talk about them for a minute? Well, yeah, I got into it. I've always done art, like I told you earlier, you know, uh, but living at the pipeline and having the house right there at pipeline, everybody, you know, use it like the clubhouse. And so they'd go surfing and on big swells, you know, it depends on how big the swell is and how long it would last. My front yard used to load up with broken boards like 30 of them you know not just five or ten or two and and they'd be down i I had the the upstairs on the third floor and i'd look down and i'd see all these broken boards just all you know this thrown on the ground you know this in different shapes and i go wow that's really cool that looked great on a wall so i started uh putting them together and that was about in uh 1997 and nine, and I think 2002 I had a first show with them in New York and sold them to a collector and a very famous artist Julian Schnabel mm. yeah and so he saw you know any surfs as well but so, you then, know? so then again you're taking what you know yeah and just kind of uh, reinterpreting it yeah you know and so that really kind of Put him on, on, you know, put him on this path, right? And I so think- anyway, Julian uh, saw him and loved him and, and bought it. But, um, you know, I'd go hang out and we'd go surfing together. And 
he knew I was interested in art and you know I always painted when I was a kid and painted my surfboards and uh, so I started assisting him and painting with him and oh, he wow. was like my teacher you know to explaining to me how to use the different tools and what I'm looking at and we'd go to museums and he'd show me you know uh, like the Italian artists and uh, like Caravaggio and, and then and, and uh, Spain, we go to the uh, Prado and see uh, Greco, El Greco, and, and they call it, they'd, they'd open the museum special for you for Julian in Paris, right? You That's know, crazy. to see Picassos and all private the, viewings. Uh huh. Wow. Oh yeah, private. And I mean, there's uh, Rembrandts and all the stuff that it was a show about what Picasso liked and the stuff that he liked, plus his like late '60s art. You know, Picasso's late, which which they most people didn't like in those days. You know, they thought it was too forward. Mm -hmm. You know, but nowadays they're like really like that's the shit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, it's awesome. how, how something could last the test. But of it was time, great to have somebody to to well, train you and teach you because he Fine was line. like he teaches the professors and yeah. you know he's a big he's one of the best artists of today. Yeah, definitely. You know, and he influenced all the young people. Anyway, he showed me how to use the paints. He told me, he showed me how to mix the paints, and you know, to do the canvases, how to hang them, how to look at them. I mean, he showed me everything. That's so awesome. Okay, I have something interesting to say. You see this, the, this like pattern here? Yeah. yeah. That was made with Astrodeck. Oh wow! So Her, using uh, it as a, uh, as a stamp. stamp. So so what I'm saying is, and so everything revolves around the lifestyle we've had, whether yeah. it's the painting to take that astrodeck and to use it to make that next thing and, with and, it, and it, and it tells or, a story. or the broken surfboards. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. All of a sudden, somebody was looking at these as so much trash, and Herbie looks at it and goes, "Oh no, I I it's see it treasure. as I see it as art, yeah. right?" Yeah. Yeah. Same and, thing with the skateboard. And yeah. so, like with his Bloodwater series of paintings, he paddles up the Waimea River and soaks the canvas in the iron oxide mud that's very red, right? And then takes some the canvas and lays it out at, at the beach pipeline and lets dry out and paints waves on it and stuff. And so everything has come from that love of surf. Yeah. And so it's, re, it's taking the story he already knows and just reinterpreting it in a new medium. Yeah, and so which is he, unique, but it tells a story. And absolutely, it has so a connection. Right, personally. that's what I'm saying. So it's not like a one-off; it's just an evolution of what he's already done. Yeah. And so I find that that's interesting yeah. because and it, keeps changing. it takes you on that story, the evolution of our lives. Do you understand? Yeah. So it started out with a surfboard tail patch. Now that tail. That same pattern is being used to make this pattern. Which looks freaking cool. And they so are. you do, right. Yeah. And so you go, oh my God, isn't life interesting? Yeah. <laughs> How it just evolves. Yeah. So yeah. we haven't changed at all. We're the exact same person using the same stuff, but just to create a new vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the the fact of how you explain creating the rectangles thing with the well not the rectangles, but the triangles. Yeah. The broken boards. Yeah, the rectangles. Yeah, yeah. the rectangles. And you're, you know, you're, you're sitting outside your window. You look down. You're like, oh wow. There, there it is. There's art right there. Yeah. yeah. And it's different mediums of art that you. you but know. it's exactly. And now they hang in hotels and you know, like in Waikiki, it's in the modern and 
like Michael Ho or whoever it is, yeah. they go in there and go, oh, that's my surfboard. Oh, I can't even believe it. And so now all the I want to be in a museum now too. Now all the surfers, the Brazilian surfers, save boards for Herbie because oh, cool. they want to be part of the rectangle. And so they'll say, I've got some boards for you. Yeah. And, so, and so the way I look at it, Remember the old photo shoots for the Wave Warriors movies, oh, right? With all those surfers. Yeah. Okay. Well, now is the rectangle the Wave Warriors of the 21st century? There we go. Do you understand? Yeah. Because it's all the surf, all this, all the greatest surfers in the world, but this time their boards are all broken and they're put back together to create art. And so when I look at it, I said, "Well, that's your photo, or that that's the extension of the Wave Warriors is the rectangle." Yeah. And Very so, cool. to me, that makes a complete story. Yeah. You go from all those people to having those that rectangle. This whole time we talk, every time we talk about wave warriors, I always picture buttons in the fucking. Well, yeah, and Nathan and Christian are down below him. Yeah, with the Asterix sticker uh -huh. the, on his yeah. chest. Yeah. But so I think that the, to buttons me when I classic. to me when I saw the rectangles, I said, well, that's the the wave warriors of the 21st century. It's kind of broken. And it's all kind of stuck back together with a bunch of logos. And yeah. you go, oh, that's kind of surf in the 21st century. Yeah. Because, I mean, boards, you know, are so personable to, to the, the, that surfer, you know? Oh, they like, painted on it. They've painted, got their logos yeah, on it. It's them. So, you know, you get, yeah, so, so many cool different, like, colors. And obviously the shapes of the broken boards. But the sticker, I mean, there's a lot yeah, of detail already there. It's painted on. Yeah. yeah. Or, and it's been stickered up, logoed up. And, yeah. and then each one of those boards have a story with the guy. Well, and the see, surfer, like somebody wrote, wave, somebody wrote me know? and said, yeah. oh, well, you big know, I, you <laughs> know, I can make They're one. They're big boards. They're not small boards. Yeah. Yeah. No, and somebody wrote me and said, well, I can make one of those. I said, well, I don't think so. I said, yeah, you can get broken boards, but yeah. it's not the same. These boards are all written by the greatest surfers in the world at the pipeline. I, I said, own it. I yeah. said, that is something different. I yeah. said, because... Each one of these, are they an artifact in their own right? Yeah. Perhaps, yeah. but put together, they tell a story. Yeah, you know? for sure. And so I think that for Herbie and I, it's kind of an interesting surf well, life story, well, right? Just, yeah. yeah, just your mention of Michael Ho. I mean, that was my board, and he, you know, he, oh, I, got, he could identify that, and the board, probably the session he had, the waves he had. We've like, got Andy Irons boards. We've got all, yeah. you know. But it's just like, it's such a cool connection past. beyond just art, you know. No, it's like, again, it's it everybody's is. personal uh -huh. journey. Yeah. Really and, cool. and the way Herbie and I see it, right, yeah. as being part of this kind of odd kind of world of surf. Yeah. And yeah. it kind of goes back to what you said about that girl from New York that wants to write about something, right? It's like, and that person saying they can create that too. It's no, like, you go, no, you no. You're talking about. No, you can't. Yeah. You can't recreate this. No. Yeah. The, the experience and heart and soul of what you guys have. Only Herbie would have looked at that and seen that. Right. Do you understand? So that's, so that was interesting. He looked at it and said, oh, there's my art. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. me. Right. And I thought, oh, that's really nice. Yeah. The right place at the right time with the right mind that can't it's be the right mind. It's the right else. mind. Yeah. It's that kind of being able to he doesn't see things like other people see them. He sees them different. Yeah. And I'm and I'm really grateful that I've helped to articulate that vision because he needed the person that could help yeah. put it together. Yeah. He needed he needed But Dibby's also an artist, a very, yeah. very good one. Oh man. Yeah. 
I, I mean, know. she's made surfboards and painted them and resin painted them. And oh, yeah. See, I was a stone sculptor. My kids would just kind of look at me. You know, I've done 8,000-pound stones and all this stuff, and they'd look at me. So I said, okay. So I started making surfboards because they understood that, right? But I'd gold leaf them and do resin paintings on them and stuff, right? You know, because they understood a surfboard. They yeah. didn't so much understand a stone sculpture, right? But so anyway, so yeah. I started doing a lot of surfboards and other things. But it's been it's been interesting. That's fun. awesome. And and where is it, uh, your next show, or is there a current show right We're now? We're working on something for Japan. Okay. See, I do all the sales. Yeah. I do all, I put the program together and everything, and so we're working on something in Japan, which should be very good. And then I'm trying to get something again going in New York. Uh, the Gagosian show was so big and so wonderful, but it happened, and then COVID happened, and mm. so everything shut down, and so it kind of lost the momentum, yeah. which you it which you need to build back up again and yeah. so we're working on that you yeah. know and so i've got some feelers out there that look at yeah that. well have fun it's like riding an, another wave of you know well you got it's it's still surf there's you people interested and they, yeah. they want to have some shows and i just got to talk to them and yeah get it going on yeah well I love it. You guys are still killing it. Jeez. You know, and, you know, so inspiring to many, you know. Now, do you have children? I have three. Yeah, 18, 13, and 7. And uh, oldest is a girl, and the two younger are boys. And my 13-year-old's like, he's all surfed up, you know. My daughter longboards a little bit, and she's a Newport City lifeguard. She lo she's a beach girl, nice. and she'd rather look good in a bikini on the beach, you know. <laughs> the boys, it's like, I just want to surf. Can I miss school? All the ways, you know, like he's, he's in. And you have kids? Two daughters, nice. 14 and 10. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Like we snowboard. I mean, we, we grew up, you know, similar, you know, Have a life. My yeah. dad, we're, we're, we're skiing in the winter. We're, we're surfing in the summer. You know, we're wakeboarding. California. Yeah. And I mean, going back to, you know, how you pioneered, you know, wave, you know, uh, jet skiing and the, and the waves and stuff or all the other things. We were pulling behind the boat on my dad's surfboard in like the late 70s and people would trip out like on what we were doing because nobody brought the board to the river have this and they're like oh, see christian smokes, and guys. nathan used to do that and know? it was the best it Herbie was before used to take them down to trestles and pull them all the way back and, right? you know and, and everybody there is just you know single ski or kneeboarding or you know maybe have an inner tube and stuff and it was like it was fun to surf behind the boat, yeah. you know? Yeah, I hope he'd drink a beer behind the boat on his surfboard going to <laughs> Catalina. Yeah. Freeboard. Like but it was, it. you know, it was Just fun. riding the wave. Like, so you, so, yeah, so now you live here then in Newport? No, I'm in Huntington still. We're both yeah. in Huntington. Oh, nice. Yeah. Even Duke Hanamoko did that. Yeah. 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 I mean, the key. I mean, there's a, um, was it uh, uh, Ben Gravy's making a living riding behind boats and weights yeah. and stuff, you no, know? It's like... Stuff. Crazy. It's, so do you know Mike Mack or Murphy? Mike Murphy? No. I, don't know. I used to do water ski stuff a long time ago. And you can look behind you to see that water ski. Yeah. Mm. That's for going 80 to Catalina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ski so, all the way to Catalina? Head back. That's yeah. 26 he, miles? He used to pull his mother in an air chair when she was, what, 80? Yeah. yeah. To Catalina. Oh, to Catalina. No, on one of those boards. On one yeah. of those boards. They still do that race, Wait, I you're, think. You're yeah, yeah. On his, no, Mike Murphy used to pull his mom. Oh, his mom. When she was 80. Yeah. To Catalina. And, and she'd go, oh, I want to go back. And he'd go, no, mom, you're not going back. So. But There's yeah, wacky. They, tie, they, they tie something around you right here, and you just hold on, and 
you know. Support, yeah. And uh, he'd go 80 <laughs> on, on that thing. Mike Mack would. Mike Mack's from Huntington Beach. Okay. I don't know if you've yeah. ever heard of him. Uh-uh. He has a place out in the, on the river. He was Earth. a big water ski guy. Yeah. Yeah, but his arms are like Popeye. Yeah, we, we were just, you know, kids just seeking fun. Having fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you do it. That's how Christian did it. Yeah. He was just having fun. That's it. But yeah. I'd take him with all the best people in the world. That, see, that makes a big difference. <laughs> so I'd go with all when, you, when, you, when, you're five, when you're five years old and you're surfing with Michael Ho, yeah. you know what I mean? Or yeah. whatever, or Johnny Boy. Oh, you're Boy. holding onto his leash or as Johnny he paddles Boy you or out, whatever. To, out to Velsyland. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. You get every wave you want. Yeah. yeah. But, that, but that's how you create... That's how you help them to be great at things. Do you understand, right? Yeah. There's, there is a way to do that. And right? Like I'd let Nathan go when he was like five and eight with Mickey Nielsen, yeah, and all his friends, and they weren't, you know, the best of people to hang for kids to hang out. But I, they were all family people, and I knew they'd watch him and take care of him and not yeah. let him get sure. hurt or anything. Yeah, yeah, uncles. Yeah, yeah, with authentic respect and like just real and yeah, if anybody good. would hassle them make you yeah. take care of them yeah, yeah. oh yeah <laughs> well you know what see i kind of like that Definitely. you know where everything is yeah. do you understand there's just no bullshit yeah. and nowadays it's so phony and so fake do you understand yeah. right yeah. and oh i'm going to cancel you you know what you need your face slapped oh yeah. maybe we just talked to him about it he's like yeah you, you have a dis, you know dispute and you go and you punch yeah. each other and out and, and you shake hands. And, and then like, it was easy. Yeah. You go to dinner. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And now yeah. it's just so backstabbing crazy. You just go out. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So we didn't really talk about traveling different um, surf spots in the world. Did you, you want to do that again? Yeah. <laughs> some other time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can do it another that, time. Yeah. I mean, we're, there's we're, we're, so we're like three hours. We got so yeah. much shit. We got good stuff. But, you know, like, again, you know. So now do you go through and edit it? I can, but I don't I, think I need to. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I'm just asking. Yeah. No, traveling's a whole, it's a big deal. Okay. Yeah. That, so, it'll take you a lot. And, and, yeah. and we want to get into shaping and board design and, and your, there's so much your craft on what you do on a surfboard. I mean, there's a lot of other, you know, surf, we want to talk surf and, yeah. you know, traveling is part of our DNA of a surfer. And, well, we know. could talk surf another time. Yeah. I mean, this was like a lot of other stuff and... And this is great. This but, is but, great. It was great. No, but yeah. it's... But it's also, we're more than surf. Everything yeah. you do is about surf, do you understand? But it yeah. involves yeah. everything. Yeah. That's It involves our whole life. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's what... It wasn't isolated. No. And I just didn't want to surf. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's why I moved to the mountains. That's why, you know... Uh, jet skied and uh, skateboarded yeah. and worked and you know it was all creative you know just uh, even doing the ads and making the surfboards and yeah movies and learning how to film doing and, the yeah. clothing oh, all I mean, of it doing the clothing that was I mean we oh, did yeah. outerwear yeah and the gradation of it we did we did Christian Fletcher we did all sorts of things well, right which did was fun Dibby. yeah we did Dibby wear we did all sorts of things yeah. Yeah. and this was before um Holy jeans, you know, with holes in the yeah. jeans were. <laughs> I sold them. I sold them to Bloomingdale's. I called them fashion happenings, right? I went and got all these used Levi's, right? And I put big giant uh, screen printed tattoos on them. The girls loved them, right? I sold them to Bloomingdale's. It was fun. Yeah. You know? Wow. So There's way too much. Container to... full. Yeah. yeah. Not small. Just yeah. you know, a whole container. Yeah. 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 But anyway, it was. Well, just... 
But this, but this see, that's awesome. just it. It's one thing leads to the other. Do you understand? And you yeah. say, oh, well, what can we do that we can have some revenue so we can just keep on going? Yeah. It was never some big thought out thing. Oh, well, I think we're going to make a plan. Dude, we didn't. I did not get out of being a sophomore in high school. I did not have a plan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Herbie had no plan. It was just kind of by the seat of your pants, and it was creative. And you go, oh, that sounds so great. And we were always really great at the beginning. That's the dream. The day to day, eh? I'm better at it than him, so I got stuck with it, and I hate it too. <laughs> but I'm just saying. Yeah. But the dream of things when it's in its it, when it's in its infancy, when it's about design and it's about kind of changing things and really being creative, that's yeah. the fun part, of course. Well, that's the part everybody amen. wants. Amen. We, need more, we need more Fletchers and, and people like minded. I'm serious. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this has been awesome. Thank you guys so much. That, um, thank you, got plenty, Dutch. Yeah, oh, they got more in play. And uh, uh, I think uh, we definitely want to sit down and keep going at another time okay well you tell yeah. us yeah uh, let's put a outline together that you want to cover yeah, yeah. you know because uh, again you know travel I mean, sir, what you guys shared with us has been riding. so this is awesome insightful and like we already knew you were amazing brilliant entrepreneurs <laughs> but fuck like yeah to hear it firsthand and and go well, you know that's what? firsthand i've heard it's other people claim it. Yeah. <laughs> or a lot of people Well, you heard it, it here first. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. They work dirty. Oh, you're welcome. You guys are awesome. Oh, look at this, Irby. Oh, All right. Always turned on again. We'll, we'll set it up for next oh, time. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bonsai Bulls. Hands down the best bulls, period. Seven locations. Two in Hawaii. Five in Southern California. Bonsai Bulls. Go get some. Caliente Southwest Grill. Clean, healthy Mexican food. Everything is made fresh daily using produce from local farms. Their salsa, their dressing, and even their marinades are made from fresh produce in-house, so almost all of the menu is naturally gluten-free and extremely clean. Family-owned, showing local love for 22 years. Check out their website, calientesouthwest.com, for all your party pack and catering needs. You could also call them at 949-515-0909, calientesouthwest.com. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen, the best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen, it's been around since the sun. Shade, Shade. Sunscreen. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at InherentBummer.com. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams, for our awesome artwork, and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.